This is Chad Kent from Adamship and Watership Down. Hey, this is Derek Pardo from Watership Down, Adamship, and, and we're about, about to discuss, discuss metal. metal. This is the Discuss Metal Podcast with Derek Pardo and Chad Kent of Watership Down. Hosted by Dan Terry and Joseph Wren. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. Well, what is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Discuss Metal Podcast. My name is Dan. I am your host for this evening. No, I'm not your host for this evening. Derek Pardo was the host for this evening, and it was also featuring Chad Kent, uh, as well as uh, myself uh, in, in key places, as well as Joe. Uh, this was uh, this was a good interview, man. If you if you ever had any questions about Watership Down, Adam Ship, Adam Ship Down, Chad Kent as a drummer, does Chad Kent in fact look like a cop? Well, you're gonna find out all the answers to all of this in this what two and a half hour conversation. These guys just showed up and it was like they had the questions in their back pocket that they wanted to talk about. And then two hours later, everybody looks at Dan and says, so do we have any more questions? Because I think Derek and Chad just answered everything and they go deep. For anyone that has listened to The Crash of 47 and knows how much we love that record, and we always talked about this band, you know, Chad is the best drummer, in my opinion, which is correct in this case. But these guys just dig into the deep cuts. There are things here I don't know I've ever heard, ever read. This is going to be an intense one, and I want you to listen to the whole thing. I want you to stay tuned to the end. And if you guys want to watch this interview, it's also going to be available on YouTube as well. So make sure you guys check that out. We're not going to bog you down with this intro because there's a lot of conversation to get through. But we will be back at the very end of it to see who survived. Oh, we got Chad. Oh, snap. What is up, sir? What up? The man. What's going on? Just got done feeding my face. Nice. I did that earlier. I actually I fed my face and all my kids' faces and my wife's face. So we're still waiting on D-Man. Yep. The D. What's been going on, man? I've just seen you at a workbench and random drum jams here and there. Uh, I mean, that's it, really. Um, I mean, I play uh, every week at Mosaic Church. I've been like the primary drummer there for a year and a half, almost two years now. Nice. So that's um, every Wednesday rehearsal, Thursday evening, and then two services on Sunday. Nice. Well done. And then I uh, also teach at the Myers School of Music. That's two nights a week. That's awesome. So, so you're staying busy. Yeah, I mean, that's been it. I'm going to write that down. How to become a better drummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've also been, uh, what was it, last summer, I think. Um, I worked with a guy, uh, Taylor Crane, on a project, and uh, we're trying to get the last little bits of that put together. Hey, there's Derek. Derek's there here. No. Hey, what up, guys? No, hey, what's uh, up, man? No, no video from me, unfortunately. You guys look great, though. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I spent a really long time doing my hair, so you know, you got that going on. Hey, yeah. now, come it on. Great. No, I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't look like I just rolled out of a trash can somewhere. It's yeah, yeah, you know. Chad. 
I'm just kidding. I'm, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So best hair goes to Joe for sure. You win that. Hundred percent. Chad has a best backdrop, in my opinion, the Thomas set. I don't know. It does go pretty hard. And the Godzilla poster, that's tough. Yeah. yeah. I got Godzilla action figures back here somewhere. So maybe I should put an avatar of myself on here. There you go. So, oh, you know what? I forgot that I could do that. Hold on. I've got an avatar of myself I can put up. Sorry. Now I'm just playing around. What? Where did Chad go? Chad's, Chad's gone. gone. So here's the thing about, <laughs> here's the thing about Chad that I'm noticing. His, his internet connection is not... Uh, it's not killing it right now. Yeah, I've got um, 200 down, 100 up, so I should be here for the, the long haul. So we're yeah, going. No, you, you sound How's like that you're fiber sitting... working for you. Yeah, it's doing pretty good. You're, you're I mean. welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you sound you sound like you're sitting right next to me, so you're you're good. Awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm in my little home home studio slash stream room, so set up pretty good. I dig it, man. Your streams were looking great, sounding great last night. Yeah, I mean, if someone would care, that'd be great. But <laughs> it's fun. I, I cared, of, man. I was yeah, watching that, those that, long shots for days. That, that's see. the big mountain to climb. Let's see if I can upload an avatar while we talk. Something that, that speaks to me. But um, yeah, I don't know what. So Chad's Chad's connection's that bad, huh? I'm not surprised with it being Chad. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <He's>, great. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep bumping my mic. He's great at drums, but nah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have him send up a PC for me or anything. You know? Well, it's funny. Whenever we had him, uh, whenever we had him on back in 2017, like it's the exact same backdrop. I remember looking at Joe and being like, did this dude just literally set his computer right in front of his drum kit just so that that was going to be the background yeah. Yeah, for that's, the whole thing? That's, that's all I need him to do. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely chat. He's, he's, he's got it going for sure. He Let's jumped see. in and did an impromptu drum solo. I remember that. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm still cleaning up. Already. He hasn't yeah. done that now. <laughs> I'm waiting. It's it's coming. Maybe it's he's coming. been furiously banging one out and then like doesn't realize that he's disconnected. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's probably, that's probably what's go. going on right now. There's, There's the face. There's there the is. face. There's the face behind him, man. Where's the mask? I want the avatar with the mask on it. Yeah, the original mask? Okay, hold on. Let's see. I, I want the lonely unit shifter, damn it. Oh, yeah. Okay, the lonely unit shifter mask. I don't know. I can't. Let me see. I'm actually, I'm finding these online. I just search my name and go, that looks like me. You know? Hey, there's my avatar. That looks good. It's an Here's actual just... picture of me, heavily photoshopped. <laughs> Old school could... PC gaming right there. Grew in I his natural could... habitat. I wish we could get it where my mouth moves when I talk, like a GIF avatar. Oh, I've been trying to do that so for my stream, good. but it, it doesn't. Uh, like, there's one guy that has it, and he's like, "I'm not telling you where I got it." And I'm like, "What?" But oh, now I got to search. Stream OBS or uh, yeah, I just use OBS. I was using Streamlabs for a little bit, but then it's kind of janky. They got a lot of work to do over there at the yeah. at, at whatever they call that Streamlabs OBS slobs slobs is what they call it. Yeah, I just didn't really. Didn't really care for it. I wonder if Chad's coming back one day. I don't know. I, I don't. Let me text him and say, uh, "Yo, how's yeah. the? If I'm rocking the, this thing solo, just let me know. It's cool, but just tell me. I want to know what's going on." This is just on. a cruel joke. Every time he connects, I just disconnect him. Yeah. Well, I text him. I said, "Yo, how's the 56k dial-up?" <laughs> <laughs> well, there was definitely a delay where we were talking, and then he he'd answer like three, four seconds later. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably just his brain. That could be. <laughs> no, Chad's, Chad's the fastest guy I know. I'm just going to pick him a little bit. So All right, I was going to say, on drums, he's a paper shredder, dude. Like, yeah, don't get me something, started. <laughs> something's, yeah, something's wrong with him. Like, 
I remember when I met him, it was hilarious. So I was so okay. So there's like a sad backstory. We'll get it over real quick. Like when I was 10, my father was murdered and I just oh, kind of like picked up a guitar. Right. And that was well, I tried to play trumpet. My grandfather played trumpet. He was a phenomenal trumpet player. I was trash at it. It didn't come. It didn't come like <laughs> in the jeans. Right. I, just, I couldn't play a, a fucking note. Can I cuss on here? I don't want to make you guys stuff bad, but I couldn't play a note on trumpet. Right. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I'll try drums, right? This is kind of comical. There's Chad. So then I was like, I'll try drums. I was trash at drums. I said, I'm no good at this. Good thing Chad came along or Adam Ship would have sucked really bad. And, um, or Watership Down even. And then I finally, like my mother, I believe I was probably 11 or 12 years old. She was just fed up. She was like, can you pick a fucking instrument? You know, like you, <laughs> you destroyed your trumpet. Like I dented it all up because I didn't want to play it. <laughs> and she was like, you know, you don't even look at your snare. Like I tried everything in the school band, you know. And uh, finally she was like, what do you want? You know, what do you want to play? And at the time I was really into like Nirvana bleach and all these <laughs> all these things. And uh, I was like, just give me a guitar. And she's like, I can't afford a guitar. Something through the school program. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I don't know. I don't want to play a clarinet. I was like, I don't think that's very cool. So uh, my grandfather actually took me to a place called Chappie's Music in Pascagoula, Mississippi. It was like the weirdest, like <laughs> straight. It was a music store in in like the 19 early. Well, I guess 1980. No, it would have been 91, 92 or something like that. Maybe 90. He took me in this room and it was just like acoustics on the wall. And I was like, this isn't what rock people play. But that was what I got to choose from. You know, it was like an acoustic shop, basically. And uh, I grabbed a <laughs> I had a really good taste. I grabbed an Española, Korean made acoustic because it was black. And I was like, this a do. It's black. Black sounds good. You know, I'm, rock. I'm a rocker. Of course. And, uh, <laughs> I still have the guitar, believe it or not, to this day. But uh, it just all started there. And then so to me, Chad, that's the that's the backstory, right? My family wanted me into music because I was having a hard time with my father's murder and everything. And they just wanted me to, like, get into something that wasn't running the streets or, you know, going crazy. So I start playing guitar and I end up I end up in a fight with my mom about something. I was probably like 13 years old. Life was really, like, disrupted um, from my father's murder. And she was like, I don't care what you do. Figure out what you're going to do. You know, I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to be around people. I was really uh, introverted and, like, everybody was worried about me. And I put on like a good face to my grandparents and everything. So they were like, he's fine. And I was like, this act is working. So I would go home though. And then like my world would fall apart. You know, I was really like a mean kid that had holes in my walls. I know Chad remembers all this. Like I didn't even have walls in my room. Like I had so much anger in me. And my, finally my mom was just like, get the fuck out. Right. She's like, go, whatever you want to do, go. And I said, fine. So I was friends with a guy named Jay Holland. And I went to, he worked at a muffler shop, believe it or not, Mr. B's muffler shop. And he goes, yeah, you just come hang out here. You can stay. He had a little studio apartment next to the muffler shop, right? So here I am living with this guy in a muffler shop, like the ripe old age of 13 or 14 years old. And I thought life was great. You know, like these guys are smoking weed. You know, I'm like, wow, I'm an adult now. <laughs> I'm an actual rocker yeah. now. Yeah. I'm an actual rock star yeah. sleeping on the floor. Well, then like... uh all of a sudden, one day, Chad brought his car in. He had a, a Thunderbird Turbo Coupe, and uh, he brought it in to get some exhaust put on it. And we're standing outside, and he's, like, waiting for the exhaust to get done. I remember vividly, he was, like, chain-smoking Marlboro menthol lights. And I was like, this dude's awesome. And he looked like a cop. He was just out of the Navy. He had this, like, cop haircut and, like, cop clothes. He looked so perfect. Like, he looked like he was printed, you know? 
And I was like, this guy's a cop. And we, we had weed in here, you know, I was freaking out. <laughs> so I, I like first words I ever said to Chad, I was standing next to him. I go, are you a cop? <laughs> That's all I asked. <laughs> and he goes, what? I said, are you a cop? You look like a cop. And he's like, I'm not a cop. I was like, oh yeah. And he's like, yeah. So eventually he and Jay decided, Hey, let's smoke some weed or something while he was on his break. I believe at the time, Chad, you were working at AutoZone. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> He's like, he's like, yeah, let's smoke some weed. So we go in our room and we had like a drum set up because we had this band called Liquid Core that was really like what I was doing at the time. And it was really, I mean, it was like, it was just grunge rock. I mean, it's all it was. It was terrible. And uh, not that grunge is terrible. We were terrible. And I, I was like, Chad goes, oh, there's a drum kit in here. And I was like, yeah, he goes, I play drums. I was like, sure you do, cop. You know, <laughs> like whatever, you're trying, you're trying to infiltrate, you know? And he's like, no, I played drums for a long time. And I was like, what, do you have a kit? And he's like, not here. Like in Pennsylvania, I have a kit. And I'm like, this is all a big lie. Like four years. Yeah, he hadn't, he hadn't played in a long time. And he goes, do you mind if I play him? At the time, there was a guy named Zane, which is a great name. This is a cool story. He, uh, he was playing drums for us, right? And I was like, man, you can't get on Zane's kit. He'd get really mad, you know, like real particular you can't be moving nothing you know and, uh, and chad's like look i'll be really careful and i'm like okay cool so here we are like high as a kite chad sits down on these drums and just blows my mind like just instant chad can like just dude, he was like yeah he was gonna like i was afraid he's gonna break the kit number two number one he was amazing number two i was like this pearl kit gonna fall apart right i'd never seen him play drums like that and he stopped and i go you're in our band and he's like, what? I was like, you are in our band now. We need you as a drummer. And uh, <laughs> we played as Liquid Core for a little while. And then Jay had some personal issues where he started selling our stuff, I think. Oh, shit. <laughs> and, and Chad and I were like, wait, this ain't going to work, bro. Like, we can't have our guitarist. Because I was playing. It was weird. I think we were two guitarists and a drummer at the time. And our, our biggest claim to flame, I think we I think we came in <laughs> second at the Florabama talent show. That was that was Liquid Core's height. <laughs> and uh but we had to pay to play. Yeah, we had to pay. We had to pay like fifty bucks to be in the thing and like we got second. I was like, well uh, no, you know, that's success, I think. This is success. And um it was all country bands but us. We played the people looked at us like we were fucking aliens. Like it was crazy. Like they were just like, what is going on right here? Everybody else was country or it was like, you know, the mayor's daughter of this small Alabama town. Like, oh, Laura Lynn going to get up there and play that song about the sun. Like it was just ridiculous. <laughs> and here we here we get up there and I'm just like holding my breath. I'm like, this is going to be dumb. Like we are going to get booed off the stage. We shredded like we tore that place up. <laughs> and then. They all like after the songs, everybody was just like mouths were open. Like, what did we just watch? You know, second place, huge success. Went home heroes. And uh, shortly after that, Jay went. We parted ways with Jay and we ended up getting um, a storage unit. If I remember correctly, Chad and I were like, well, we ran like, let's just play in a storage unit together. Bass and, you know, I was getting into bass at the time and uh, we'd play guitar, bass and drums. And it was just he and I and we'd write these tracks that we didn't know what they were at the time. You know, later on, one becomes Pencil Fight, one becomes Day of Days. You know, we just don't know what they are in, in the moment. Well, there was a band behind us. Uh, what NIM? National Institute of Mental Health? Yeah, NIM. And Nathan Slade was playing guitar in NIM. And they they split up. They had this big fight. And Chad and I are like, we got our ears to the wall. Like, we're like, hell yeah, listen to them fight. You know, like, we thought it was fun. It was drama. You know, it was like, knots landing, but better. And, uh... <laughs> So we're like sitting there listening and like Nathan quits, loads his shit in his truck and Chad and I run out and flag him down, you know, like, hey, wait, 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 yeah. Yeah. wait, 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 don't leave. 
just move into our storage unit, you know, like oh, just, just come, right, come right in here. This won't, they won't be mad. Yeah, but, but you remember before all this, though, Nate came by one night and uh, he said something about my drumming was too spastic. <laughs> yeah, dude, they, it was funny. They would not let us in. Like we wanted to go watch them practice. And I remember Chad and I came over and they had the door open and Chad and I are standing out there listening to him. And Nathan's stupid ass slams the door down in our faces like, you know, it's a roll up door. And he looks at us like, the hell are y'all fucking losers doing here, you know? And he like <laughs> slams the door down and Chad and I are just like, well, I guess we can listen from out here. Like it was such a prick move. But at the time in their defense, they were pretty well known as far as the coast went down here. They were the rock band. Like there was no better than them. Like Nim was winning all the talent shows. They were getting all the radio sponsorships. They were doing really well. And they just didn't keep it together. I think, uh, what was the singer's name his name was Derek as well but I don't remember his last name I don't want to slander him anyway he uh he ended up with a lot of drugs and stuff going on and um I remember almost everyone in that band it was Nathan Duffy Derek and one other guy I don't know who the drummer was who cares yeah Duffy was bass Duffy was bass I don't know anyway they split up and we were like yo play with us and you could tell he was like boy I fucked you know here we are now these nerds want to play with me because Chad and I I mean Chad's straight out of the Navy. He looks like a cop. You know, I'm 14 years old, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a 14 year old kid. This would be fun. You know, like just squeaker. You know, I'm like, it's eh, a great idea. We, we can all be a band. And I don't know. Nathan probably just didn't want to take his stuff all the way home was why he agreed. <laughs> I mean, he was probably just like, yeah, whatever. I'll throw in here for the night and then, you know, get back with my band later. And uh, we ended up getting together and just like, I mean, it just clicked. I mean, it really, I mean, I know that people say this all the time, like, well, we just got together and it clicked. And like, everybody's like, yeah, right. There has to be, <laughs> yeah, that's probably the tape from the storage unit. Is that from the storage unit? Recording ever of us. Really? Right there. Yeah, Joe's yeah. Can, can I get now. a copy of that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For the next five years, yeah. Chad, you still have the tapes from the storage unit? Oh, awesome. Digitize, gotta digitize that, man, before it goes uh before it stops working. Before, before you wave it over yeah. a magnet. Yeah. Yeah, what is it down first recording? Yeah. Chad, Chad's got the recording, so it you know, there's the real life. But we uh we, we just stayed in there like hermits. I mean, it was every day. They'd get off work. Nathan was working banquet, I think, at a casino, and Chad was at AutoZone, and they'd get off work and I would wake up. <laughs> And we like go, we would like get together and we would jam until probably two, three in the morning every single night. They'd go to bed and go back to work the next morning. I don't know how they did it. I mean, these guys, Chad and Nathan, both like must have been living off of like four hours of sleep for a year, like really. And uh, and that's how it all kind of came together. I mean, that's just that's that's the whole scoop. I don't know anybody has the collective entire scoop, but yeah. Now I don't have to ask you how the band. I mean, got we together. played uh, so much. Yeah, I'm a pretty good storyteller. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I, I'll talk. Yeah, I developed bursitis. We were playing so much in my shoulder, and I had I had to see a specialist, and I had to quit playing for yeah. I think it was uh, two months. So in over in two months, uh, we replaced you guys. Them. You and Nate worked together on acoustic stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. Chad ended up with bursitis. His shoulder was inflamed really bad. He could hardly play. And I said, just pull your skirt over your head and keep playing. And he's like, I can't. I have to. No, it wasn't that bad. It was bad though, and you could tell he was in a lot of pain. So we said, "Okay, take my arm." Yeah, it was bad, and I said, "You know what, Chad? I said, take the time you need, whatever your doctor says or whatever." And Nathan and I would just keep writing. So we went to, <laughs> we ended up, we left the storage unit. I mean, our stuff was still there, but we ended up spending a lot of time in Nathan's house. And uh, his wife Marlene was real happy with that. We woke her up every freaking night. She was going to school to be a nurse, and we were just in there being loud. And we wrote. 
that's where we were like Darks in Mississippi, I think came out of that session with Nathan and I waiting on uh, Chad to get better. And uh, <laughs> a couple, like we polished up the stuff we'd already worked on. We kind of framed out Pencil Fight a little more. I remember that we came back with a better, you know, a bridge kind of, kind of, because then, then we went to the Butcher of Orleans, which is really funny to change everything. Dave Foreman, that guy, like everything changed. You know, those original recordings that Chad has was like what we thought was perfect music at the time. I really want to hear those, Chad. It's been too long, but... Yeah, I want to hear those too. Yeah, I'll digitize them. Can if I come to your house, Derek? And, uh, yeah, exactly. We'll go we can just have together. a listening party? Yeah, we'll just do a listening party on here. I'll just I'll line it in. Exactly. Through, uh, we can do that, actually. I will <laughs> send you more PayPal money on Bandcamp. Just <laughs> yeah, make that funny. shit available. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll digitize it for sure because we don't. no one has those. I mean, that's weird because that's the back before Day of Days didn't have a bridge. It had a really long, like, Nathan-inspired Pink Floyd intro with, like, a lot of instrumentation and... Um, intro like, was like two minutes long. Yeah, two minutes long on the intro of that. We used to open with that. And I remember one of the first things Dave Foreman, because we took basically that tape or a recording from a show. I don't remember when uh, Dave Foreman ended up doing our pre-production and we went to Covington. He was like, what in the hell is this? <laughs> I was like, what? that's the intro. And he goes, your intro is longer than the song. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, it's three minutes, right? <laughs> we did that right now. And he's like, no. Nah. No, so that's where he got the nickname Butcher of Orleans. He he changed everything, everything really. Not changed. We didn't have to like change yeah, the sound. Have it look, it almost exactly the same as we wrote it. It was almost exactly. Yeah, the same. it was. A, yeah, I mean, yeah, the songs stayed the same. The parts themselves didn't change. Your verse is the same. Your chorus is the same. You know, some some songs. I was a a kid. I mean, I didn't even know a bridge. I didn't know what a bridge was before we went to the studio. I was like, "What's a bridge? I'm like, what? I have to <laughs> write drive some, over? Yeah. So I, I crossed. I, yeah, I crossed the bridge on my way here. Like, I have to write one of those for each song. How weird is that? You know, like I don't have. I don't have. <laughs> it was just so strange to me. It was so like, what? What is this structure? What are you talking about? You know? Because here I was. I mean, like. God, I got the guitar when I was like 12, I think. And I'm 15 in a studio with management through KVS management. And like, you know, here's the guy that just did Evanescence in front of me. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm going to be honest with you. I felt pretty out of place. I was like, I do not know what music is, apparently. I thought I did, but then I didn't. So, <laughs> How many ways can I tell you that you're wrong and you actually did know what music was, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess now I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'll give myself a touch of credit, just a smidge, and, uh, and go from there. But I was just having fun. And I think what the important part was of Adam Ship back in the storage unit is that we had this mentality, and I know Chad will agree, that we wanted to be the best band on the coast, which was the weirdest thing. We were like, let's be the best band on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. That was our goal, right? Shoot for the stars, right? We were like, this is it. This is it. If we can be the best band on the coast, we'll all be happy. And what ended up happening was, <laughs> excuse me, we, didn't, we ended up being the best band on the coast, I think. <laughs> just <laughs> just short of what, you know, we had a few people that didn't like us. They really were bands down here that just hated us. I remember being told jealous. I sounded, yeah, maybe, maybe jealous, but, you know, Chad overplays, you know, Nathan's not playing with the band, you know, Derek sounds like a squeaky wheel. I mean, I heard it all, <laughs> man. Like, there were a lot of people that were just like, but we knew we made it when <laughs> Chad can say the same quote, I'm sure. 
when the reward for winning the WCPR FM <laughs> talent show was to open for us. <laughs> that was the reward. And I'm That's thinking, awesome. hey, this is a this is a far jump from second place at Floribama, you know, like we've really come somewhere. So Yeah. Yeah, it was good times, man. It was just <laughs> it was better times. Better times in music, I think, honestly. More fun. I don't know what's going well, on these days. Derek might not uh, he might not admit to it, but He's been of legendary status long before we ever inked a deal with the record label anyway. I mean, locally anyway, he was already a legend. Yeah, well, I was infamous for sure. <laughs> but I, oh, yeah. I was, so when I, you know, I, I mentioned that I used to like do dumb stuff like punch holes in my walls and things like that. Like I didn't have an outlet for my anger. And then all of a sudden I had a, uh, I think it was a Gateway 2000 computer and like local forums for the radio station and for everything. And boy, it got bad because I, I I didn't pull any punches. Like these bands would be like, check out our track, you know? And I didn't realize we were anything. I'm going to be honest with you. I had, I was delusional. I was like, nobody cares what we think. Right. So I would get on there and I would say like, oh, this is trash, you know, or like, you know what I mean? Like, sure, I, was yeah, so yeah. Mean. <laughs> I was just like, what is this? Y'all ain't even in time. I was just like honest and young and just ridiculous. Oh, like I that. got started. Yeah. 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 There was no, <laughs> there was no like, constructive criticism i was just pretty like there if there were people that were good i would say hey this is great you guys are fantastic but if it was bad i wasn't the guy that didn't comment right which is i it's unfortunate i could have been a lot nicer but i was definitely the guy that was like this is garbage like this is garbage this is trash what are y'all what are y'all like this three doors down two like what is this trash you know so like fuck <laughs> but you know at the time the funny part is that chris henderson from three doors down they were from hurley which is where nathan was from nathan was friends with all of them and you would think oh that's how you know watership down broke in in the industry but it wasn't we ended up we did pre-production with chris henderson from three doors down first and nobody liked it like nobody our management kenny was like yeah you know what I mean? Like, I don't, he wouldn't say it at the time to like Chris. Then I, I don't know if Chris ever hear this, but it's funny because we legit, we loved it. We were like, Chris is doing a great job. We gave it to Kenny and Kenny is like, basically like throw this in the fucking garbage. You're going to Louisiana to Dave Foreman. And I was like, who? You know, I didn't know who he was. He, so the guitarist for Ugly Kid Joe, that's all I knew. Right. And I knew I hate everything about you. I heard that a bunch when I was a kid riding on like Nash skateboards, you know? That's what got us there. So, <laughs> so Chris was three doors down helped a little bit by, you know, doing that. But we weren't really connected with them. And a lot of people are like, oh, they got you signed or whatever. It's like, have you listened to their music and our music? Like they don't they didn't even like us. Like Brad doesn't like us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you think people just didn't get it? I think because like for, from my perspective, I, I didn't hear the band until probably years after the band was no longer like an active thing. Yeah. And so you're you know, welcome. I remember, I remember Joe coming <laughs> over to my house. He's like, Oh my God, I got this CD. It's called the crash 47. You need to listen to it. Check it out. And I remember thinking it sounded really, really modern for the time we were listening to it, which I think would have been like what? Oh, seven, Oh eight sometime around there, you know, just hearing it for the first time. And it's sounding more modern to now versus when it came out. Yeah. I, you know, you know if when I compare that album, even to stuff I hear today, and I'm not I'm not trying to be vain or whatever, but like Chad's playing the instrumentation really like I won't even comment on the lyrics or anything as far as what I think on that. But the music itself still compared to some of the newer bands I hear coming out today. It's like this is still kind of ahead. I, mean, I may feel old because I've heard it so many times or whatever, but the music itself is like 
still feels it's it's almost like we created something timeless i'm really proud of that because it still feels like this is outside of the time now you know this is something that in my opinion will live far beyond me or anybody really because it's just one of those deals as long as people can find it people consistently like it you know and i was really proud of that that's a that's a big deal to me you know that people would would like it <laughs> you know outside of the floor bama well, yeah, like what I said in my email, you know, like we've been listening to it consistently ever since then. And it's funny because like on, on our show, a lot of the stuff that we cover is like really extreme, screamy, growly music. And yet I still put that record up next to a lot of those bands because, yeah, sure, it's not screamy, growly music, but it's just as heavy, if not heavier than almost everything else that I've heard. It's so yeah, it's so visceral in a way, even though it sounds clean, if that makes sense. Yeah, we did. We did. We we worked really hard, I think, early on before production, before anything. We wanted like we all wanted something different and we all wanted to appease the other person. This is why we work so well as a team. Like I wanted the heavy and Chad did as well. We agreed on some things. We wanted that heavy chorus, like big, you know, Nathan was into that, too. But then there was this part of me that was like, I want the verses to sound like melodic and laid back and like spacey and strange, you know? And then, you know, and, you know, it wasn't always, they, I don't know that they were always happy with me as far as like what I wanted, but it was one of those things like Nathan would kind of go, okay, then we'll do it like Pink Floyd. I like Pink Floyd or whatever. Like there was this weird, and I would be like, no, do it like Led Zeppelin. Like, cause that's all I knew was like Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and Nirvana, you know? And he was like, what's the difference? But the deal was that we always had this like, we always had this kind of like um, discussion within the group. And we always had like a democracy where two people could vote somebody out. You know, there were definitely bridges and pieces of vocal that didn't make it because I got outvoted. You know, and there was definitely cool riffs Chad had that Nathan and I were just like, it's too much. And it got outvoted. And more times than not, I'll be honest with you, it was Chad and I like just hammering nathan poor guy i mean we were always just like no you can do it better than this you know this has got to be different like that doesn't sound good at all and like nathan was probably the most frustrated one out of all of us because chad and i were so picky but we never had like a replacement idea like it was the worst ever like don't do that he goes what would you rather we do i don't know whatever you know (laughs) something something different you know but over that through that process through that process of trying to please everyone you know, we wanted Nathan to get his like heavy riffs in and I wanted Chad to be able to be Chad. I didn't want to take away from Chad. And then as far as my vocals and my bass, I had to keep the bass as simple as possible because I had to sing at the same time. Right. And uh, and I'm not Sting. And I'm sitting here like, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. You know, but through the simple bass lines that followed Chad and, and with Nathan's creations on guitar. I mean, we really were able to create something that getting back to the, the point of this whole talk that I feel like, in my opinion, like I'm most proud of, absolutely most proud of. And uh, and I've done a lot of stuff. So this is one that I'm just like, yay, we did something good. You've yeah. done some great stuff, man. Just you specifically. I've been, I've been chasing your solo stuff for a long time and only yeah. recently found that not only is it on Bandcamp, but there are multiple Derek Pardo uploads on Bandcamp <laughs> yeah, in more weird. than one account. So... <laughs> Yeah, you well, probably have two PayPal <laughs> transactions from me. Who knows? No, no. I'm, honestly, I only have one that I control. I think what happened is somebody made one for me, and like any music that they could steal or whatever, they threw on there, and they're making money off of me. More power to them. But I saw that too. I was like, "Who the hell is this?" Like, maybe I made it years ago. Maybe I didn't. I don't remember. But I have this kind of like, I have this really bad habit of 
right now, honest to God, guys, I have like three hard drives packed full of music, right? And I've released maybe 20 songs in the past five years or something like that. It's crazy. Like I have so much music recorded and I just don't, I'll give like CDs to friends. Like, Hey, check this out. A CD. I mean, it used to be a CD, but <laughs> now I'll be like, you know, Hey, download this, check it out. Or I try to send links to people like, Hey, what do you think of this track? You know, my listener base is like three people that I know. And they're like, it's cool. Like everyone's over it. You know what I mean? Like no one, no one's inspiring. They're like, it's cool. I'm not over it. I want to be the first one to say I'm not over it. <clears throat> but I really do enjoy uh, writing and I think I always will. It's kind of like um, a journal. That's what I tried to tell people when they're like, well, how do you write? What are you writing about or whatever? And it's like, if you listen to my songs, like it's then what I what I put down. It's basically a journal of my life. That's it. Like it'll be about my day or about an uh, an event in my life, and and that's it. Like all of them. So even even the Adam Ship album, that's a journal. You know, very journalistic writing. But all true stories, like pencil fighting at school is true. Getting in trouble at school. That wasn't just about pencil fighting. It's a, such a dumbed down idea, but it was about not doing well in school at all. About being constantly in detention or you know in school isolation or be, and not because i was bad i didn't fight i didn't start trouble i just wouldn't do my work and they were so frustrated with me they didn't know what to do and they were like will you do your your homework and i'm like no probably not and they would get irritated they'd send me to the office and then what's really funny is my house in ocean springs right now is across the street from my principal i see him like every day <laughs> You know, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> you know, but he's like, hey, remember me? He's like, yeah, I remember. But no, he's a nice guy. But I, I just remember them being so frustrated with me because I just wouldn't do it. I, and I think what it came down to is I was bored with it. I didn't really like school at all. I, I wanted I was always thinking music. I was always thinking, you know, about anything but school. And they got so frustrated that finally they just started like, I think in my 11th grade year, they put me in in school isolation like the day I got there. They were like, you're going to go learn basically in the alternative school. And I was like, oh, so I got a record. You know about me, right? <laughs> so <laughs> they put me in this alternative learning and I was like, I hated it. I mean, not to be rude, but I was with all the weird kids, you know, like the ones that you held your breath around. <laughs> that sounds rude. Sure. But you know what I mean? Like these people, these kids that were just either violent and couldn't be around people. They like they wouldn't socialize or they were disabled or whatever. And I was just I remember just hanging out with like this girl named Tambor Miller and playing chess in this alternative school and just feeling like, like this sucks, right? So eventually I just stopped going. Like they, I got over that real quick. I was like, you know what? School is for losers. Now, looking back, I probably should have finished school, but I didn't. And I said, I'll just do music. I mean, really, I'm not even, and that's the thing. People are like, man, you've done so well. Cause I've done businesses after music. Uh, I had a commercial irrigation company for years. And right now I'm actually starting a cannabis cultivation company in the state of Mississippi to like, you know, start being a part of this huge change. They've made cannabis legal here. And I was just like, well, we'll be on August 15th, but <laughs> not doing it now. Just not, not doing anything, but you're good. You said you're in the planning stages. That's, that's planning funny. stage. There we it's go. allowed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cops come and try to, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. Chad scribbling down a whole bunch of notes right now. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm write this stuff down, but I ended up, um, doing really well. And people are like, what college you go to and this and that. And I always find it so funny. I'm like, man, I dropped out of fucking high school. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have time. I didn't do school. I don't, you know, so I'm probably not as good as algebra as you guys, but I, I make up for it in other ways. I think <laughs> I don't think I passed algebra. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> no, I mean, I had the same problem. That's that's the weird thing about school, too. Not to make this whole conversation about that, but like there 
they only had one way to discipline people yep. uh, back in the day. You know, like it was like, if you're not, if, if you're getting violent, you get sent to this place. If you uh, have a learning disability, you get sent to this place. If you are, if you don't do your work, you get sent to this place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you're like right. they, didn't, they didn't address anybody's individual problems. They just, you yeah, know, looking, all right, just throw them in the garbage. It's not working out. And you know, it's so funny looking back at school now, I, I think of it and I'm like, it was basically a big game of memory, you know? Yep. They would say, this is when Columbus came over. Here's a piece of paper. Tell me when Columbus came over. And I was like, am I really learning? You know, like, I feel like I'm just remembering what you're telling me. I don't feel like I'm learning or creating anything or like being productive as a human. I'm just remembering what you tell me, you know, outside of like, you know, mathematical equations and stuff and learning, you know, how to equate and stuff like that. Yeah, that's learning something. But I felt like the majority of school was like, I'll show you. And then you show me that you watched how I showed you. <laughs> you know, and right, I was like, yeah. I don't feel like I'm learning to do anything here. I'm just like a part of your game, you know? So I, I revolted pretty bad in school, you know? And my grandfather went to Yale. He was super smart, like, you know, he's, like, he's a genius. And here I am in school. I'm just like, this is dumb, you know, South Mississippi. <laughs> but, you know, but I don't know. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think school is so, not to make it all about school, but I feel like school holds a lot of kids back. I think there's some absolute geniuses that, do bad in school because of the formatting and because of the, you know, how they've outlined what success is in school. If you can remember this, you're smart. And if you can't, you're not, <laughs> you know, I'm like that. That makes no sense whatsoever. They tell yeah. you things. They don't teach you how to think. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like yeah, Albert Einstein good. said, judge a judge. A, what was it? Judge a fish by how he can climb a tree and <laughs> you'll never find a smart fish or something like that. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, what's up, Chad? What were you, what were you saying? I'm just going to say, man, it's like you might not have finished school, but you're one of the most intelligent people that I've ever met. Yeah, that lag came at a perfect time, too. The way it goes. You're one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. No, I mean, I feel like it's, I feel like intelligence is learned as well as cultivated in people. And I was blessed. My grandfather was a fantastic engineer. And so I was around intelligence a lot, you know. And I think that music makes you more intelligent. I think that you know, creating stuff makes you a more intelligent person. And then working with Chad and Nathan in the band, you know, that was my social studies, so to speak. I was like, but not social studies, like what happened in Mississippi in 1820, but social studies, like, this is how I learned to like interact with people and become like my own person, you know? So I just found a way to do it outside of school, you know, but maybe one day I'll get my GED. I'll be one of those like 70 year old men. That's like, I'm going to college. <laughs> <laughs> probably you'll not be the, you'll be chevy chase's character in community <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah i just i don't fit in those kids these days but um that's it that's i don't know where the hell we are on topic this is gonna be oh, a hell of an edit for you it's fine it's all this is all solid gold i uh <laughs> i was actually i just texted joe after you started talking i was like this is the easiest episode ever i don't have to do anything i don't have to think of creative questions that, i don't yeah. i'm good that's why they love me yeah. That's why the industry loved me. I was always so entertained. That's why you're getting. That's why you're getting uh, hit up for podcasts every single day, right? Like, I actually talk you to know, us for three hours. Believe it or not, I get. I actually get a lot of people that message me about podcasts or vlogs and stuff. They want to do stuff with me, and I typically I ignore it. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Typically, I'm like, eh, yeah, you and everybody else. But like, I don't know. It was just like I got your email, and I was like. Yeah, let's do it. I was like, I don't know. I just wasn't, you know, caught me at a good day, I guess. I mean, it's good timing. Everything happens for a reason, right? And I was yeah. like, you know, it's it's a tough one. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I yeah, no, I I, it's, I send out so many emails every It's funny. People are always like, man, I can't believe you got so-and-so 
you know, on your podcast. And I'm like, Oh, you see all the people that didn't respond, you know, like yeah. <laughs> um, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things. But like, I just, I like to have a casual conversation. Um, I don't ever want anybody to think that like, this is going to be some sort of like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're going to be changed as a person after you, <laughs> after yeah. you listen to it. No, it doesn't. I actually enjoy this more than I would. We used to go on radio stations and stuff and it was just so like scripted and, all right, here's where you guys are going to sit. And we, these are the two songs you're going to play. And Chad, you're going to play on this cajon. And I was like, what is this garbage? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we got to play a, an acoustic version of Day of Days on a homegrown show somewhere. I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever done in my life. <laughs> you know? So, like, nope. I like just sitting back and having conversations, you know. And being my mind like, is blown for the moment. <laughs> Chad Kent playing a cajon. Oh, yeah. How many cajones oh, does he need? Seven? Just, yeah, you should hear him. You should hear him on one. He's good. I remember Chad. I used to always want to record this, and if he would have just done it for me, we, we'd already be like YouTube super rich. I'd have like a Bugatti and everything. But he used to play like Chad. He used to smoke weed a lot. Chad, I'm sorry, I'm diming you out. He used to smoke a lot of weed, and uh, he would just get stoned to the bone and get some pencils and put a bunch of stuff on a table and play drums. Like it was like a hobby of his. I probably did it as a kid and it just carried on. And I mean, he would have everything like water bottles at different, you know, water levels and like aluminum, some, some scrap shit he found and this like, you know, cups and shit. And he would play the coolest shit I ever heard in my life on, on a coffee table with just stuff on the table. And I was like, we got to record this. And then YouTube came along and I thought, man, if I had this recorded, like, where would we be now? We'd be like, we'd be like, We'd be what are the uh, the judges on American America's Got Talent or something like we'd be up there at this point, you know? <laughs> no, it was just really it was really you phenomenal. Jay broke that glass table. Broke the glass table. You remember when Jay broke that glass table and I was trying to jam on it? No, but I, I believe you. I believe you. But tell me the story. That was a Mr. B's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he tried to open up one of. The, remember, he was so big on those flip knives. Oh, and yeah. uh, he tried to flip that thing open when I was jamming on it and it broke the glass. I do remember right that. I do remember that. Jay thought it was, he was the coolest guy in the world if he could just sling a knife open. I was like, just get like just get a switchblade. You like this is lazy switchblading right here. But he he like swung it open and hit this table and just shattered all over Chad. It was hilarious. Best ending ever. But it was uh one of those things. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that, Chad. Now that you mentioned <laughs> he's such a dork. We were all kind of dorks, really. But no, I mean, it's uh, as far as that's kind of like the essence of us. I mean, we were just these, you know, I, I always believed too. my mother would tell me when I was young, if you don't know about if you don't know anybody in the industry, you're never going to do anything in music. You know, like you need to go to school. It's all about who you know in the industry. And I still hear that today. And it just kind of makes me laugh because I'm like, nope, nope. I was just some kid from a very like low income household in South Mississippi. I mean, like. We would come home, like after my father died, it was like lights would be off on Monday and then the lights come on on Tuesday, water go off on Wednesday. I mean, it was like we were definitely impoverished, you know, and uh, <laughs> it was one of those deals where I was I can I can attest that that is not the case. That is not you do not have to know anybody to do something amazing. You know what I mean? Like you just don't, you know, here's the thing totally. about something amazing. And Dan, I'm going to need you to put my screen back up for a second. Oh, geez. You know, you when, when we got to talk to chad in the early days of this podcast that was like here's the greatest drummer in the world and we're talking to him right now does he have any idea how much this record matters to me and i can only say i wish i had a hundred percent of the writers 
here to say this, but I want to say it now. You guys, thank you for writing that album. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. To this day, I will tell anybody that asks, that is the greatest album ever written. Oh, that means a lot. That means a lot. That actually does. I mean, we, you know, the fact that Chad and I are still alive and kicking, it's kind of, I would say, let, let me find a good word. Pathetic that we don't still create music, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, we we are really missing a, uh, a lot of chances to still create. Chad, you and your drum set are being called out. <laughs> yeah. All I got to do is drive to Gulfport. It's kind of my fault. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to catch COVID. But, yeah. I mean, we could. The thing is, is that when when you really when we break it down, and it, and I'm not saying this because it's easy to lie now that Nathan's gone, but when you break down Watership Down, it really came down a lot to after Nathan and I had the writing session when Chad's shoulder was messed up. It really boiled down to Chad and I just sitting together and going, "Okay, I'm going to play a bass riff. Can you come up with a drum riff?" You know, and then we stuck a name on it. You know, and what was funny is. Once the name was stuck on it, it just stayed. Like I think Day of Days was always named Day of Days, you know. And then we just I just wrote something around that name and and it was one of those things that Chad and I came up with the stuff, Nathan and I honed it, then we got back together and like honed it together. Like Chad and I could still to this day write an Adam Ship album. I have no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. And uh we should you know, maybe we should uh work on something like that, <laughs> other than me sitting around playing acoustic and crying about yeah well they won't fit in the rv so i'm kind of <laughs> so i'll have to come there we uh so i'm in so that's the deal so i kind of moved to houston i have a house in houston as well and then i have a house quote unquote in uh, mississippi and i'm back and forth with this cultivation company so i've been living in this rv and it's probably <laughs> it's probably the nicest rv like it's it's nicer than any house i've ever lived in which is really funny <laughs> but uh it was uh definitely been a change for me but yeah i mean i could definitely i could be right there in front of that drum kit and i, I thought chad and i might get together you know to um to do this interview as one but I, I didn't know how it was going to go. I'm, to be honest, I'm not familiar with uh, StreamYard or anything, so I didn't know what we were supposed to do. I was just like, I'm going to click a link at, at 8 o'clock, see what happens. You know? Yeah, no, you're good, man. I We had uh, we still had Chad's contact and all that. Oh, so okay. it was one of those like, uh, yeah, like that's the thing I love about StreamYard. Not that, this is a, not that we're sponsored by StreamYard. If you're listening, StreamYard, we'd love to be sponsored by StreamYard. If they don't um, sponsor you, um, yeah, it'd be bad. You guys are doing yeah. great. But... Uh, <laughs> No, like it, it, that makes it so simple because everybody's always like, oh, I got to sign up for Skype. What do I got to sign up for? We did the one with Chad with, with Skype and it was like not as good as this one from a from a connection perspective. But uh, but yeah, it's actually funny when we first reached out to him back in 2017. He's like, yeah, I'm, I can just drive up and do it. Or you guys want to. Uh, we're, like, no. right. we're like, no, it's cool, man. He's, he's like, no, I'm looking for a good reason to drive up there. Couch is clean. Couch is clean. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, Chad, Chad, is, Chad is the one that will always be like, where? Oh, California? Yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. Like, he's right. always been like, I just need a reason. Let me tell work I'm out of here, you know? Well, and I always... Get some gas and some snacks. Yeah. It always blows my mind, like, when I think, you know, Chad's working, right? I'm like, what? Why? I mean, like, what a stupid thing to do when you're Chad Kent. I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, if Chad would just... And I, Chad, I'm talking to you, too. You're right here. So this is how we work. This is our... This is, this is us together. 
Like Chad should not have a nine to five. That is a ridiculous waste of Chad Kent, in my opinion. Like I agree. I would just play drums that. on this. Yeah, I would just play drums on the street corner if I was him. If I had to, if I had the talent of Chad Kent on drums, you would never catch me clocking in at a job. I would just. It doesn't matter. I'd go to New Orleans and just play on the street until the cops made me leave, just collecting eighty bucks a day or whatever. Like because he's so talented. It's like and Chad, I'll speak directly to you. The most talented drummer I've ever met in my life, and I've met a lot. And it's just like, no, sir, you need to focus on fucking music <laughs> but chad does good with his drums now i'm not gonna lie i think what he does with his music and with his ability is like morally great i mean he plays at a church that he's involved in a lot and stuff like that that's good i just think that there's so much more to chad that that people don't even realize like his talent his talent goes way beyond the album i'm gonna be honest with you guys the dude is probably in my opinion no less than like 10 times better than what was on the album because of how he toned it back and how he was, I mean, not only wrong, his playing on the album is amazing, you know, but Chad has this ability to like freeze a room with his drumming. And I don't, I've never seen that. And, and I've worked with musicians in production. I've worked with other musicians personally, and I've never seen that quality in a drummer. So I've always been like, Chad, stop working. Like go to Tennessee if you have to. Like I've, I remember I got a hold of Kenny Vest and was like, Let's get him in studios working just so he keeps the drum thing going, you know, like let's get him as a session drummer for people and let's get him to do something, you know, and uh, it really just comes down. I think, honestly, I can't speak for Chad, but I think it comes down to just the logistics of being that and living a life, you know, yeah. because you you can't really you can't do both. I don't think you're either Chad Kent, the drummer, or you're just Chad Kent living life, you know. And I think it's hard to balance the two in Chad's defense since I've sat here and wrote his ass for had another what? That if I had another chance, I would do it. Yeah, I mean, me too. You know, it would be different this time because I would actually not quit the band, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, I mean, I'll be real. We'll talk about that a bit. I know that's that's going to have to be a question that comes up at some point. Dan, I was going to say, I'm it. trying to decide whether or not. Uh, yeah, I was trying to decide whether or not to bring that up because I don't like yeah. to just, you know, no. jump into it. But, but I mean, what is that? Yeah, what 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 leads to a situation like that? Okay, so on Wikipedia, it said I had a kid. That's not true. <laughs> so, but it was weird. Um, so what happened with me, I think we were doing really well. Everything was fine. You know, there was no problem. And from learning now, what I know about me, um, you know how you learn about yourself, the older you get, you're kind of like, oh, wait a minute. I thought that way. Like, why do I think that way? So looking back, I think it, it was pretty obvious to me now that I was, I was really good at like catastrophizing everything, right? Everything was terrible. Um, and it all stemmed, I think, from my father's murder. I'm not going to break it down too much, but like when I was a kid, I remember after my dad was murdered, I thought everybody was coming to murder my mother, right? I had this really negative, like really terrible outlook on the world. Everybody was an enemy. All strangers were bad. All new things were bad. Like I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my brain around. This was an isolated event that affected me, but this is not the world, right? And uh, so I didn't realize that I had this problem going into the band. I didn't realize that I had this negative thought process and this negative view on the world, that my filter was all fucked up. Not going to lie. Like the way I saw like a lady walking out of a store and a guy walking next to her, I was just like tense, like waiting for this guy to like assault her. I was just really strange in my thought process, you know? Sure. And, um, and it all just stemmed from like what I'd built onto. Like I, I'd started as... <laughs> Chad's giving us the view. I started as a normal kid, I think. I mean, there wasn't anything bad. And then after that, it's like 
just that little thing affected me to a point where I was like not realizing it, but everything was bad. Everything was negative. Right. So as I grew up, I built on that foundation and I didn't realize I was building on that foundation until one day I just kind of broke. I mean, that's the best way to say it. I we were jamming. We were playing in New Orleans and Mobile and like doing all these things. I was always nervous on stage, but I didn't think much of it because, you know, stage fright. Everybody has some degree of nervousness. Chad will be nervous. I remember when we first played the House of Blues sold out. We were all nervous. You know, we're like, oh, my God. Like, I, But the difference was they were nervous. And I was in the hotel room in a bathtub having to get pulled out of the bathtub and stood up on stage like because I was like just panicking, like massive panic, you know. And um, I didn't realize what had happened. And then just one day, the panic just was just too much. I mean, we were supposed to fly up to New York, I think. And I was just like, I'm not going. And everybody's like, why? And I was like, I just can't do it. I'm freaking the fuck out. Like I, I had no coping mechanisms. I didn't even know what it was I was dealing with. You know, I, I was just dying for some reason. I don't know. I was just dying. <laughs> like, that's where my brain was, you know? Like, I didn't realize it was panic attacks. I didn't realize it was anxiety. I didn't realize the foundation I'd built upon or the way that I was thinking was wrong. I had this really like diluted view of the world, like diluted. Is that a good word? I had this like incorrect view of the world. And I thought, yeah, "Yeah, skewed. There we go. And I go, you know, if I go to New York, I'm going to get up there and we're going to get stuck. I'm not going to be able to get home. I'm 15 or 16, whatever it was at the time. You know, I'm going to get murdered in New York because people kill people in New York. Like I just had this like super negative thought. And I remember Kenny calling me and he's like, what's going on? The band tells me you're not going to New York tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going you know, I'm not, I'm not, not heading, not, not doing it anymore. And he was like, why, what, what's up? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I couldn't answer. Cause I really didn't know. I knew I had emotions. I just didn't really know what they were. You and, can't explain um, it. Yeah. 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 I was like, I can't explain it. And I think a lot of people thought that I just quit because I was, I don't know, either thought I was too good for it or what, I don't know what people thought, to be honest. I never put much thought into it. I know a lot of people were mad at me, you know, the word I always like, saw online was anxiety. Yeah. And I'm yeah, talking it, 15 years ago, back in the Adam Ship down days. Yeah. I mean, I dealt with severe anxiety. And I don't think leaving the band was the best fucking decision I ever made, I'm be honest with you, because I, it got worse. I mean, once you quit something because of anxiety or because of depression, it just steamrolls you, you know? And I ended up quitting the band, like everything I dreamed of doing, everything I loved at the time. And I let Chad down, I let Nathan down, and I let Kenny down, and I let the label down. And Diana Meltzer was calling me, talking about, look, we'll get you into help. You know, it's obvious you're having some issues and we want to help you with it. And I felt like I kind of just let everybody down, you know, but I was still young enough to to be stupid about it and not and not own up to what I'd done at the time, you know, stupid enough to just say, well, I just hey, made it my yourself away from everybody. <laughs> yeah. So after look, after I left the band and like all the locals, like all the local fans were just like dumbfounded, just like shocked. Like, what do you what do you mean Derek left? Like what is Watership Down without Derek or what is Adam Ship without Derek, you know? And I and to me it just seemed like avoidance was more important than anything, which is absolutely bullshit. Now, if you ask me today if I regret it, yeah, a little bit, but I don't I try not to live in regret. You know, I think that we've done some cool things since then, but after I left, when I talk about the steamrolling, I mean, it got bad, guys. Like, I ended up being, like, severely depressed, you know. I gained quite a bit of weight. I just, and not even, still, not even really understanding what I was avoiding or what the feelings were. Uh, I just kind of went home, built a home studio, and disappeared for eight years. And when I mean disappeared for eight years, I mean it. Like, I didn't leave the house. I was, I was 
I was, um, as a doctor would call it, I was legit, like chronically agoraphobic. I did not leave. If I tried to go to the store, yeah, Katrina. that was the only thing that made you leave was Katrina. Yeah. Katrina. And I didn't even go that, I didn't even go far enough for that fucking hurricane. Right. So I was like, <laughs> I was legit dealing with like this massive struggle where it was like, if I tried to go to the store, I had a panic attack. So I'd never go to the store again. Or if I tried to go to Walmart, I have a panic attack. I never go to Walmart again, you know? And I was just kind of in this situation. It was like, you know what? Fuck everything. I'm just going to stay home where I don't have panic attacks. And still I had panic attacks. So it was yep. like, you know, it was kind of like it was, yeah, it was a useless, it was a useless idea at the time. But in, in defense of me, you know, in South Mississippi, there wasn't like help. There wasn't like a lot of help. There wasn't a lot of people that understood it. I mean, down here, the mentality was like, you know, well, be a man. Yeah. Like, like oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. just wake up tomorrow and do that. Even though I had no father figure, I'll just tomorrow I'll be a man, you know? And then, so I just ended up kind of hiding from everything. And that was really the reason I left was anxiety. I mean, if we're going to nail it down to one thing, I just had such a terrible time dealing with my anxiety. I was not capable of coping with the meetings and the crowds and everything. It's, I mean, it's bad enough when you're a kid with like this terrible anxiety disorder, but put him in front of 15,000 people, <laughs> you know, a guy yeah. was like, uh-oh, I was like, it was bad. I mean, there were times on stage, Chad probably didn't even know. I'd never told the band or anything. There were times on stage where I'd be singing and I was just like in a full-fledged panic attack. Felt like I was about to faint. You know, I like had all the anxiety factors. My fingers are numb and I'm playing bass and I'm just like, get me off this fucking stage as fast as possible. You know, hey, Chad, let's play this song twice as fast. You know, anything we could do just to get out of here sooner would be great, you know? And I think yeah. back, I think back, honestly, guys, and this is something I probably never told anybody, not even Chad. If I would have been open with the band about how I was feeling early on, right? If I just told Chad before the bigger gigs or, you know, they knew I was having issues when we went to, to Dave Fortman's because I did not want to stay in Louisiana. I wanted to get home. Like I wanted Chad to drive me back to Mississippi. I had a really hard time being out of my comfort zone. But if I would have been open with them about why I was feeling it and not tried to like be Mr. Cool, you know, and be like, no, I just need to get back to Mississippi, you know, because like, you know, I got things I got to do, you know, or whatever, like always some excuse. If I would have just been honest and said, Chad, the reason I want to go back is because I'm having some weird feelings. Like my hands are numb and this and that. I probably would have sparked something in either Chad, Nathan, Dave, Kenny, somebody that was in that circle. And they would have said, you know, I think you're suffering from anxiety. Probably could have seen doctors earlier. Um, and, you know, gotten the help I needed to to pursue. It just didn't happen. Like, I just made a mistake, you know, like I just decided I could deal with it myself, which probably wasn't the best idea, but eventually is exactly what ended up happening. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, no, it's totally understandable, man. Like I've been there, like in that point of just like, the more it's almost more like you, you, you start feeling that way. So you abandon something or you avoid something like for me, it was work. It yeah. was the bands that I was in. It was th like those sort of things. And like the more you feed it, the more you find before you know it, you've been laying on your couch for a week. Yeah. You haven't talked to anybody. You haven't. Yeah. And, and you, but you can't explain to anybody what's wrong with you. Yeah. And if they say, oh, well, you're just depressed. We'll just be happy. Put on some calm, <laughs> yeah. relaxing music or something like all the. And I'm sure you yeah. could say how many dumb things people have suggested to oh, you yeah. over oh, the yeah. years on how to get over this. It's like, no, you, it's a it's a psychiatric issue that a lot of people deal with. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, it's it can be it, it can be a big struggle. I think the way I broke out of it, though, I will share this because this is more important than than what was wrong is how it got fixed. Sure. Is that um, I was just kind of living a life. I was with this girl for like seven years or something. And 
um, she left me. <laughs> I don't blame her. You know, I mean, I look back, I'm just this guy that like doesn't do anything. I don't even know why she was with me to begin with. And uh, I was just, <laughs> well, we'll keep this PG-13. I don't know why. But um, she uh, she left, you know. So here I am. <laughs> We're all laughing. We all get it. Well, so here I am, like, sitting in this house by myself. You know what I mean? Like, she's gone. She left me on Christmas Eve of all fucking days, you know? So I'm like, I remember asking her, the last thing I ever said to her, I haven't spoken to her since, really. I was like, what do you want these presents I bought you? <laughs> like, she got really mad, slammed the door, took off. You know, so here I am like, okay, so I'm like officially dumped on Christmas Eve. Um, sitting here feeling sorry for myself. You know, I've been with this chick for like almost eight years at the time. And out of nowhere, and I hadn't talked to Dave in so long, the phone rang. It was Dave Fortman, right? And he was like, what's up, man? And I was like, what's up? He's like, I don't know. I was just thinking about you. So I thought I'd call. And here I am like sitting in this chair thinking like, okay, I got two options in life. You know, one of them is to to pick myself up. And the other one is to not do it at all anymore, you know? And Dave calls me like out of the blue, you know? And he's like, you're real heavy on my mind and this and that. And I'm like, really? And I thought it was very strange that he called at that exact moment. Cause I just sat down and was like, okay, do we keep going with this bullshit? You know, like here I am been agoraphobic for almost nine years at the time. You know, this chick just left me. I'm stuck in this house. I'm like, what am I going to do? I can pay bills for maybe another two years at best. And then I'm going to become a burden. Like, what do I do? You know, because I was just a normal guy at that point. I was not anything. I mean, Adam ship was gone. And as far as that went, uh, I believe Nathan had passed away at that point. Yep. And I was just like, like done. I was done. I'll be honest with you. And I decided, and this is a real story. This is going to come across as kind of like, I don't know. Some people may find it ridiculous, but like, it's my reality. I remember I went in the backyard. I sat on this swing. I had an outdoor swing. And I was just fucking, and I'm, I'll be real. I'll be real. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a beta male, but I was crying my fucking eyes out. Right? I was just done. Like it was just at my lowest point ever. And, uh, I remember I said, and I was, and I'll be real. When I wrote the Adam ship album and all this, I was about as atheist as they come. Like I was a complete, like that's bullshit. There ain't nothing outside of space and time in the end. And I just was like, I just was at a point where I remember I was sitting there just fucking dying inside. And I said, God, whatever it is, bro, I'm sorry I ignored you. Right. I know this is weird. But I said, you know, help me. I need your help. I legit need your help right now or I'm not going to make it out of this. And I remember this feeling like I don't I can't really understand. I can't really understand it to this day or explain it. I didn't hear it. I didn't. It was just in me. I don't know if that makes any sense. And it said, I'll empty your cup. And I had no idea what that meant. That's just what came to me. And I said, uh, okay, whatever that fucking means, right? And then one by one, everything in my life started falling apart. Like it felt like it got worse, right? And I was like, and that, that was such an impactful moment that I remembered hearing I'll empty your cup over and over. And then I realized that that was like my cup being emptied, right? Yeah. I realized that everything falling apart was exactly, you know, what was to come. And I mean, a lot of bad things. My grandmother passed away. My grandfather passed away. Like, it was just terrible. Like the whole world fell apart even more. And I got to a point where I was humbled and broken down to just Derek, right? Like I was back to like that start and I was able to say, okay, I got to do something, you know? And then from that moment forward, I was just able to slowly but surely build and expand and, you know, work as a normal human and just kind of like get out there and do stuff. And it was always something to me that was like, super impactful and to be completely honest i still work with my anxiety to this day i don't think it's something that ever truly goes away all the way it's just something that you gain control over you know like 
people say, well, I always feel anxious. I'll never be better. And it's like, even when you're better, you will feel anxious. And I think that's something that people don't realize. It's like, if you have an anxious mind, right, you will always feel anxious. It's not the anxiety. Everybody's anxiety is the same. It's your response to it. If you change your response, you change your anxiety, you change your life. And I think that, you know, getting into why I left and this whole story and why it's fucking, what, 20 minutes long right now. I told you it's going to be a bad edit for you guys. Dude, you're fine, man. This is, all, this is all gold. I mean, so far, like, there's not really a whole lot we need to edit out unless there's, oh, some, okay. unless no, there's something specifically that you're like, yeah, don't leave that in there. But Well, I think I heard Chad fart earlier, but I'm kidding. Um, oh, no, but, we're actually going to make that louder and slow yeah, down. <laughs> we're going to turn that up. Yeah. No, I just, you know, that was the whole thing. I went through a really hard time. I didn't realize why I was going through it. I said, you know what? I said, I just stepped away from everything. I made a huge mistake, super depressed, got into this rut, whole world fell apart. And then I said, hey, I can rebuild myself however I want from here, you know, and that put me in a uh, position to where I am now, I guess. And I never, music never went away. I worked with bands like Together Tomorrow. They would have been great, but they had their own problems, you know, <laughs> like they, they had a record deal lined up with Wind Up, the same label that we were on. And like we did a lot of pre-pro for them. I just did a lot of production work. I worked with Dave Fortman on some things and like stayed in music as much as possible because it was a passion. But at the same time, I realized I had to work on me. You know, I had to work on like my negativity and different things like that. But, you know, that's so I'm so far disconnected from the person that we've been talking about today. That even when I look back, it's like strange. I'm like, how was that me? You know what I mean? Like, how did I just stay in a house for eight years and like was afraid to walk around the block? You know, like, how was that the same person? So I definitely I definitely know people out there struggling. And, and that's something I've always been a big advocate for. Once it was made public that anxiety was the reason I left the band, I had I mean, guys, I couldn't even tell you how many people wrote to me and were like, look, I struggle with the same thing. You know, like, can you tell anything to help me? I really look up to you guys. And I felt like I was in a position to help, but not like I, like I couldn't help. You know, I was like, I don't know. I haven't left my house in eight years. If I answered you right now, I would I would be an idiot because if I right. tell you what I do, you're going to be worse off. I promise. So once I got better, I really started like reaching out. These fans will still write me and they'll be like, you know, my daughter deals with anxiety now or something. It's all different, you know. And I'll be able to say, I'll be able to help them in some way or another. And that's something I'm really passionate about, but I don't think I'm going to be a psychiatrist or anything. I didn't graduate high school. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something that I think that people deal with every day. I think a lot of people hide it. And if I had to give anyone with anxiety, like advice or anything is be proud of you, no matter what the fuck it is, you know, be proud of yourself. Like, yeah, you know, like my name's Dan and I have fuck panic attacks, but that makes me Dan. I mean, that's the True. end of it. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> That's what made me me. I mean, if it weren't for my anxiety, we wouldn't have the crash of 47. That was all written out of that mindset, you know, so good things can come out of hard times for sure, you know, and just be proud of you. That's it. Now we're getting into the emotional thing. Chad, be proud of yourself. So, Chad, how does it feel to still be the greatest drummer in the fucking world? Right. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Um, <laughs> I can't really relate. <laughs> you know what's Chad is so good. He doesn't realize he's good. I mean, that's the truth, man. Like, he just... Chad, t what drummers do you look up to? Neil Peart, right? Akira? No, my, my the top level would be Bobby Jarzombek. Okay. Akira Jimbo? I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but dude is a monster. Absolute monster. No, I don't know him. Do you know him? Yep. You should check him out, dude. Whoa, no, actually, don't check him out because then you'll be trying to then you'll be trying to hire him. No, <laughs> hire. Like I can afford to hire anybody. <laughs> I'm going to sign you on to a 50K yeah, a year deal just to play drums for, yeah. Yeah, but you're getting paid at the end of the year, and we're going to work yeah, yeah. all year long. 
There it is. The uh, no, Chad. Chad has never realized his talent, and it's probably one of the most frustrating things to me because he'll be like, "Check out." I remember he was really into. I was going to mention. I mentioned it a second ago, but Akira Jimbo. Akira Jimbo is yeah, massively yeah. talented, absolutely phenomenal. Don't yes. me wrong. And I'm sitting here listening to Akira Jimbo, and it's like Chad's like, "You hear what he's doing?" You know, and I'm like rolling my eyes. I'm like, Chad, you do this like every day in your boxers. Like, what do we do? What are we listening to? Like, impress me, Chad. Like, show me something that impresses me as a listener to drums. You know, I can't I can't play drums uh, at all. But like, impress me. Like, show me something that's better than you. And he never has. I don't give a shit what he says. It he doesn't exist. I've looked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seriously, doesn't, man. Like, ser- like, this is this is for real. This is real life. Like, I'll have like. Because I talk to a lot of like people are always recommending me bands to check out, you know, to talk about on the show and stuff like it's just constant. And of course, I don't have time to check out like most of them, but uh, they'd be like, listen to the drummer on this. This is the this is the craziest drummer, craziest, fastest drummer I've ever heard. And I always respond with a video of Mothra. Yeah. Uh, And I'm like, is it faster than that? Because if it isn't, I don't, you know. Danny Carey? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Danny's got. Didn't he come watch you play? Wait, though, was that who came watch you play or was that Josh Freeze? That was Josh Freeze, and we have yeah. we were NRG. Yeah, so he was amazed at the alien track. He didn't believe I did the end of it, but Dave Fortman was like, Oh, yeah, we haven't even, yeah. we haven't even mixed it yet. Yeah, so here's Josh Freeze, supposed to be like, and Josh Freeze in his own right is a phenomenal drummer. Nobody could take it away from him. Here he is, and where was uh, that? Was Energy Studios in California? Yep. LA, he's yeah. coming in, he's saying, Chad didn't play that, that's a dub, Chad didn't play that, that's not real. <laughs> You know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, he kind of did. And it's very and, real. And he could just, he could do it half asleep. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, and that's what we ran into all the time. People thinking Chad was like an anomaly, which he is. But I mean, like they would, they wouldn't believe that he did what he did. And I mean, it was very common. It wasn't just Josh Freeze. I'm sure there were other people that were like, I, I hate these over a lot. Yeah. People would come to the show and after we'd get done playing, I'd, I'd go to the merch booth and people would be like, dude. You know, I couldn't believe you could play this part and that part at the same time. But now that I've seen it, holy cow. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I heard that. Well, we used to just joke that he had three legs and, and four arms, I think, yeah. was, was our kind of our joke Well, when we were listening to those songs. Because even, even even like the some of the slower songs, it's yeah. still one of those like, I'm like, was he bored? Like, what, what was <laughs> what was the deal here? You know, yeah. was he listening to a different song? But it all works. I mean, I wish y'all could have been flies on the wall when it came to like raining Chad in for Withered. You know, like oh god, yeah, Chad, like Chad was like, <laughs> you should. Stop. I want to hear the unhinged video. version. Oh man, the there's got to be there's got to be videos somewhere of us in Balance Studios doing Withered, and I remember looking through the glass, and Chad was like, had his eyes closed, he just looked so bored. He looked like <laughs> I was like, and he was just like, you know, playing the part to Withered, and he was like, he was super excited about his hi hat part because he really didn't have anything else to be excited about. And I was just remember there. I remember being like, Ugh. the whole thing with Withered. Withered wasn't even going to be on the album. I wrote Withered when I was 13 years old. It was a scrub track that I never looked at. We never looked at it as a band. Not a single time did we ever play it together, ever. And we were at Mo's Dito's studio, which was another failure of a demo we right. tried to make. Right. And I was sitting on the front porch. Where was that? That was Larue, Mississippi, or somewhere. What was the name of the place? I don't even remember. I just no, remember, just, uh, it's just north of here. Just yeah. Very north of here. I don't even remember. Yeah, it was a blur. But I remember it was in an attic. It was fucking hot as shit. And he fed us tomato sandwiches. And I thought, I am at somebody's grandmother's house right now. And I'm <laughs> burning up, right? And I remember 
I was sitting on the front porch and Kenny came up there to hear how everything was going. He was our manager, if we haven't covered that already, Kenny Vest. And uh, amazing guy, still to this day, good friend and a cool guy. But I remember he came onto the porch and I was playing Withered. And I don't know why I was playing it. He was like, I think he asked me. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember. We needed a radio. We needed like a radio song. Yeah, he was like, well, he wanted he a ballad. He just whipped it out. He was like, yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He wanted a ballad. And I said, I think I've only written one ballad if this is a ballad. And he's like, play it for me. So I played Withered and he was like, track it. And that was the end. That's the whole story, you know? Huh. So I'm like, do you want me to track this? You know, because here we are. I think our lineup at the time was Dave Days, Pencil Fight, um, Whitfield. Friends. Friends, yeah. Like, this this was our demo. And then they were like, Andu Withered. And I was like, uh, okay. And look, <laughs> and he only heard one verse and one chorus, and he was completely enamored with that song. That's all he had to hear. Yeah, one verse, I didn't one have a bridge, if you remember. I didn't have a bridge at all. Like, I know. Yeah, basically wrote it on the spot. <laughs> we wrote it with Dave, I think, is where the bridge came to life, when we went to Balance. Oh, Dave, yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. same as the bridge for um, Dave Days. I wrote it in balance. Dave was like, come up with the bridge. And uh, and I did. <laughs> like, just right there. He goes, that's perfect. You know? And I think, I don't know if people have heard that song we called Engineer. Um, it was a weird thing we did on the demo. It was like this weird, like, outro thing. Awesome. And the lyric was like, uh, we only, we never, we don't see the engineers or something. Or we only see the engineers when the trains are crashing or something. That was weird. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we, uh, <laughs> and you never that. see the engineers when the trains are passing, but you always see them when the trains are crashing. Yeah, exactly. Like no yeah. one pays attention unless it's bad. Yeah. So it was really a cool, but that was supposed to be a bridge and we ended up not using it and we kept it as like an end thing or it was supposed to be an outro i think or something i don't remember dave was trying to get us to write all kinds of shit and i was like we're done writing bonus yeah we're in a studio we don't need to write you know but we did we did we still had a lot of work to do but dave dave did our original demo that got shopped and i was more than impressed with our demo i mean i wanted to show that to everybody like i sent copies to the president no i just like everybody i wanted everybody (laughs) to hear it and uh, cause he did such a good job. And finally I felt like we were captured. You know, we had been through Mos Dito and we had been through like recording ourselves, which is a terrible, pretty good idea. And then like, you know, all this stuff. And finally we're with this like class A producer and he brings this to life and he like really captures like what we're doing. And uh, we sent it out, Kenny Vest sent out the demo to every label at the time. And we were one of the only bands that he had heard of. Dennis Ryder said the same thing. He was our entertainment attorney. Uh, every label that we sent it to came back with an offer, every single one. Wow. So like we had Interscope, you know, we had Universal, we had like uh, Lava Records, you know, Island Records, like, and Wind Up and all these record labels, every single one of them gave us an offer. I wanted to go with Interscope personally because Sorry, um, with Red Roadrunner. Yeah, yeah. Or Griffin Records too. I wanted to go with somebody that was more connected to like the rock brunch scene at the time. You know, Griffin gave us an offer, and I thought, oh, Nirvana. You know, and then Interscope gave us an offer, and I thought, oh, you know, this is perfect. This is everything we need. And then Kenny was like, we're gonna go with Wind Up, and I was like, who in the hell is Wind Up? Like, I've never even heard of these people. You know, you ever heard of a band called Creed? Yeah, you ever heard of a band called Creed, buddy? So <laughs> here, I look up Wind Up Records, and it's. They're an indie, quote unquote, which they weren't. That, that was the biggest tax game I ever saw in my life. But they were an indie uh, label <laughs> that signed Christian artists, right? Yeah. Who's this? Oh, that's Nathan and Chad. Chad, your connection is so good. That's 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 a that is a painting of Nathan. 
but the uh, the um we we like that's the man right there yeah that's the myth the man the legend the we we ended up signing with wind up and when i searched like online who they were and it said like christian indie rock label and i thought oh my god you know okay, like, what have we gotten into yeah <laughs> as 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 earlier discussed <laughs> i was kind of an atheist at the time and was like what and then like and then I was like, Creed, <laughs> you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, I fucking hate Creed. Like, I don't want to silence him. You know what I mean? Like, what? I don't want anything to do with this. And then, I don't know. I, I, you know who I liked more than Creed? This is funny. Remember Days of the New? Yeah, absolutely. Fuck yeah. They, yeah. they were way better than Creed. What happened there? It was like Days of the New came out and then Creed like stole their sound, kind of made it real stupid and then took over. But Days <laughs> of the New was like the shit when I was young. I was like. Anyway, I think the singer ended up on meth or something. The <laughs> so, entire band quit, started yeah. a band called Tantric, found a guy that sounds exactly like oh, the first really? guy, and then they yeah. put out two records. The whole band quits again. So really? you have two dormant bands that have one lead <laughs> singer, and the band has quit twice. Golly, they should know how to pick them. We go two. <laughs> we go two hours on Days of the New. Yeah, oh, yeah. Days of the New, man. A lot to talk about. Yeah, they were great, man. When they came out, like I was just like, "What?" Where's the Adam Ship version of Dust of Shadow? Yeah, like, <laughs> such pale and stained, whatever that's called. Yeah. <laughs> I remember loving. Uh, was it Shelf in the Room? Is that one of the Days of the New? Am I right? No. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. I remember loving that song and being like, "Holy shit, what is this?" It's acoustic and rocky, and at the time it was like so edgy, you know. So Derek, I'm gonna like, need you to record that um i owe you one dollar <laughs> yeah okay there you go. perfect <laughs> yeah but it's just like i just was like floored i was like man but then you know when we got signed with the same level you know the same label anyway as creed i was kind of disappointed <laughs> i was like i'll take less money from interscope just to not be signed with creed you know and but it kind of worked out in a way that 12 stones was a band that we had been doing a lot of shows with they were with wind up and then you know it was just kind of like the family thing i guess and they were they offered the most money i think is when it came down to kenny's decision they were offering the largest deal and we decided and then i was disappointed to find out we had gotten a smaller deal than 12 stones well of course, of course right <laughs> I was well, yeah, like, we, but 12 stones wasn't a bunch of atheists right yeah exactly like we were legit let me mute this sorry i should have already done that um we were definitely like the oddballs out like we on that label which i mean even like later in the years like uh finding out that like amy she did they weren't a christian band and 12 stones doesn't necessarily think they're a christian band like even paul would be like yeah, i don't know what that was about and i what it ended up being and that label is completely gone we're not going to prison um <laughs> alan actually passed away which is funny you could see alan playing poker with like daniel negrano and all these people on poker after dark if you ever look up alan Meltzer, poker after dark like here is the guy that owned our label playing poker like it was the weirdest thing in my mind you can find the videos everywhere but anyway um they they were like a scam because they got tax write-offs for being a christian label and they hit enough money to stay indie even though they had like major releases there was no way that their income was indie and I just was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever been involved in my life. The industry's strange. But when we first met Alan and Diana, bro, oh my God. You can ask Chad about this. I think it was at Kenny's wedding. Uh, Kenny was getting married. And I remember Alan Meltzer, they had like a vodka fountain. And you could like hold your little glass under there and get your little martini and their olives right. you get out. 
Well, here's Alan Meltzer's fat ass, right? And I'm not skinny by any means, but here he is. And when I say fat, I mean this dude was fucked. Looked like the penguin that ate the penguin. Like he was huge, right? Here he is at this fountain, right? <laughs> no one else thinks this is funny but me. I'm going to prison. But here he is at this fountain, and God rest his soul. I'm sure he was a nice person to, to someone. He was like digging the olives out with his little fat hands, right? And just shoveling them in his mouth. And I remember Nathan and I walked up. He's like, y'all come over here, come over here. And then Chad came over. He's like, y'all, let me talk to you for a second. Real super New York, about four foot tall, about 500 pounds. And uh, he was like, <laughs> you let me tell you guys something. <laughs> I was so straight, so straight. He goes, once you sign my label, and he's like shoveling, just Im imagine this, this dude shoveling olives in his mouth, chewing them, they're falling out. He's got vodka running down his chin. <laughs> I mean, just total slob. And he goes, once you sign my label, the world is your ashtray. And he's like shoveling this stuff in. He's reaching in this fountain. And on the other side is this nice prim and proper lady like getting her martini looking over. And here's this guy worth more money than God at the time just shoveling his hand in there. I remember just being so like, what in the hell is going on here? Like there was a song I released um, called Elevator Go Down under the Yoon album that was actually about that whole thing, like about that wedding. And um that's out there somewhere. I think Tome, a guy I had sing it, Tome Wheeler was on that, but I'll find it. I'll send it to you. But it, the whole thing was just so like, and then here comes Diana, the nicest, weirdest lady. She's like in purple and green, like total New York, like fashionado type lady, you know, like hip. And uh, she like, dude, she would always like move when she was talking, like she was dancing to 60s music and just was so strange to me coming from South Mississippi. Like, who are these characters that I'm meeting? Like, these people are absolute characters. And she'd be like, what's your sign? What's your sign? Like, all the time. Like, I had to tell her, million, like, I'm, my sign is cancer. Oh, I knew you was a cancer. I could see from the other side of the room. You're well, a cancer. Asked before. Yeah. Like, my, <laughs> I mean, it was just so weird. And I was just so, like... Oh man, that that was probably the start of my anxiety right there. I mean, it was just so like I was just like so like these people aren't real. These are actors, right? Like it just felt so surreal. And Nathan's cracking up. He thinks it's hilarious because he's like you know twelve years, thirteen years older than me. And here I am, like they're gonna eat me. Like these are the people that you hear about. They're gonna sell me into sex slavery and eat me or something. They signed. They signed bands just to just to sell them into human trafficking. Right? Exactly. Oh, it was so scary to me. Like those people were creepy. But at the end of the day, you know the label was great. <laughs> just gonna lie right now and say they wrote checks. They wrote yeah. the checks, right? They wrote checks, and then we had Greg. Was it Greg Wattenberg? Oh, that guy. Yeah, he, he was. He was the one that ended it. Well, I mean, I might have ended it. Greg, because, <laughs> Chad, you know the story. Greg calls me up one Saturday afternoon, real excited to talk to me, fake ass. And he goes, hey, man, man, it's good to hear from you. You sound great. Now, like, all I said was hello. So I know he's full of shit, like, right away. And he goes, uh, what do you think about writing some pop music? And I was like, huh? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to send you some stuff. This band I got signed, Third Eye Blind. What do you think about writing something like this? And I'm like, I've heard of Third Eye Blind. I'm not, I can't write like that. And uh, he was like, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You're a great writer. You just write like that. You know, he's like, look, just do this. And then like his whole tone changed. Like he just turned into the demon, you know, like uh, there was a movie with Keanu Reeves where he went to New York. Y'all remember this movie? And like all the, you remember the name of it? You're talking about Constantine, right? No, no. He went to New York. This was like in the nineties and like everyone there were demons. And then there was the speech at the end. My mother loves the movie. I, I don't love it as much, but I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. But I vaguely remember that movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. It Devil's was, Advocate. Devil's Advocate. There you there go. There it is. Yeah. 
very, very ask Chad. Al I mean, Pacino. That, yeah, that is the music industry to a T. It's just they don't show the demon faces all the time. But <laughs> yeah, like legit, like I remember all of a sudden Greg just changed. His tone changed. He was irritated with me because I said no twice or something. He wasn't used to hearing no. And he was just like, I'll tell you what, man, you're going to write fucking pop music or you're not going to have a record label. Do you understand? And my response to him disconnected, like depressed and anxious guy was, fuck you, man. Like, how yeah. about that? I said, write your own fucking pop music, you stupid fuck. And I hung up on him. Right. And you right. don't do that to Greg Wattenberg. Next thing I know, Kenny's calling me and Kenny's like, what happened on the phone with Greg? Now, what did you say? Yeah. yeah, I said, well, he was a dick and I told him to fuck himself. And he's like, you told Greg Wattenberg. Because Greg at the time, just to clarify, he was the head of AR at Windows. That's what I quit too. Yeah. Greg. And yeah. It was just like, dude, it was so fucking stupid. But then, you know, Joey was Joey was more than willing to do something, right? Joey wanted to hang on to to the I guess the record deal or whatever. The and deal. that's yeah. Yeah. So that's when they took the riffs that Nathan had written for the Adam Ship album and it started to become Paper Cup Massacre. And I, I I don't remember that guy in Atlanta. Do you remember his name? Chad that y'all worked with? Rick Beato. Yeah. Oh, was it Rick Beato? I watched him on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't, didn't remember it was Rick. <laughs> so Rick Beato made the riffs that were supposed to be Adam Ship into Paper Cup Massacre. And then I didn't write anything for that. Like uh, all my vocals were scrubbed because they knew that I was like, y'all are stupid. You know, like it was just a big unfolding at the end, but it, it was set up wrong. I mean, uh, to be completely honest, it had a bad foundation from the start. I mean, I'm not speaking down on anybody. I think that we did the best we could considering the situation, but there was just a bad foundation to Adam Ship, you know, replacing me and then like trying to find a bassist and then, you know, try to keep it all together. And then, you know, but with Chad and Nathan and I, we stayed level headed because we were there from the trenches, right? Like we had like, we had, we had legit gone through the paces and played the little shows and the shit venues with eight people and Oh, we're sold out at Hugo's Pizza in Gulfport, you know, like these, these like stupid little shows like we got our lumps. And then, you know, Joey and Roy came in and they were didn't like, they just didn't get it. They were like, we kings, we're the best band. Like they just big heads and stuff. And I know J Joey's recently passed away. I won't speak illy, you know, on anything he did. But I feel like when they came in, they were like very they were starstruck with themselves, if that makes any sense, you know? And then, so, you know, Roy, I still love Roy to this day. You know, he had a severe drinking problem and just went off the end and like went off the deep end. He's like playing shows with a house arrest anklet on at some point later, you know, like, just like, well, what's going on with you guys? Like they just come and prod at the seams. And I think that there was a time where Joey really showed what I'm talking about now was when he ended up kicking Nathan out of the band. And I thought a founding member out of the band. Yeah. And now, I thought, <laughs> granted, I've done that before. But anyway, <laughs> sure. <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> but at the level that we were at, like with the label and everything, and we were actually in the process of writing, like basically the second Adam Ship album, Joey realizes that the label, I, I feel, and like I said, with him being passed away, I'm just going to tell you what I thought and what I felt. I can't speak for him. But I feel like he felt like it was a threat. He got so sick and tired of people yelling to him on stage. Derek's better and all this stuff like he used to he really he really took his lumps I'm not gonna lie he had a lot of people that were like you're garbage poor guy I mean and here he is in front of people chanting my name like you know what I mean at shows and I heard all the stories Chad's told me about stuff too and it had to be hard on him but he felt that that was such a threat I think 
that if he didn't dismantle the original machine that created Adam Ship, that he was going to always be the karaoke singer that people called him, right? He was always going to end up being this like, I just sing what Derek writes and that's all I'll ever be. And nobody wants to be that, you know, nobody sure. wants to be that. So I don't blame him. It just sucks that I had to be involved in it, to be honest, because the second album was coming along like phenomenally. And the riffs you hear in Paper Cut Massacre, they were the riffs that Nathan was coming together with for the Adam Ship album we were working on, but they were just different. Like they were heavier. Or the timing was different. We had, you know, we had like different timings and stuff. And we were stoked about what was coming out. And the only thing that we were allowed to release with Adam Ship Down was the stuff that didn't make the cut, you know, for Paper Cut Massacre. So that felt like a boot on the neck, you know, like, yeah, you wrote all this great stuff and Joey's going to run off with it, you know, kick Nate out and make Paper Cut Massacre. And, uh, you know, here I am just, you know, we're just all sitting there with our dicks in our hands, basically being like, OK, that sounds good to me. Wind up, you know, so. Yeah. Was, but that was that was basically the pinnacle of what I'm talking about with the mentalities and Go ahead, Chad. You can definitely chime in on this one. You were... Well, I was going to say, Rick actually wrote quite a few of the riffs that ended up for Paper Cut. Really? You know, a lot of the, the really radio-friendly stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bob Marlette actually had a little bit of input on that album as well. Who played drums on that album, Chad? I, years later, I'll ask you. Did you play drums on the well, album? Dang, I mean, once, once, you know, Greg did what he did to me and told me that I couldn't, you know right with you and Nathan, even though it wasn't affecting what I was doing with the band, you know, that's when I stepped away. And as soon as I did, then I just lost track of it. I don't, I don't even know who re re-recorded my drum tracks. Cause I had already done 13 tracks, but then to make Which sure that I was cut out of any of the, you know, the royalties and stuff, then they just re-recorded it. Yeah. And it all came down to like, they didn't want, so when I had the, the fight <laughs> with, uh, with Greg and then it came down to Joey kind of, you know, pulling the trigger on removing founding members and trying to weaken that structure. Yeah, I mean, they just didn't want us involved at all. <laughs> you know, they wanted to take what was built from Adam Ship and turn it into what Greg Wattenberg wanted, you know, a more poppy. Kind Greg of knew that he could not push me and Nathan around. He, just, he knew it. We were like, uh-huh, yeah. you weren't there from the beginning. So, you know, and we've heard your band and you weren't really that good. So, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we've heard your music, Greg, and you're kind of trash. So stop telling us what to do. And what no. year was this? This was like, oh, five, oh, six. Yeah, oh, six, oh, seven. Yeah. And it's like the only the type of thing that could happen back then. Yeah. When, when yeah. the industry was at the height of its of its, uh, I guess, dominance. <laughs> yeah. You know, because like you think about it, you look you look at a band like Adam Ship, right? Uh, you guys have probably heard of them, right? Yeah. Uh, Once or twice. It, they, they become, you know, over the years, this almost like cult band. You know, at least mm -hmm. that's that's the way Joe and I view it. You know, very much um, so. Yeah, agree. And and, and it the becomes best band. a band's band, right? It becomes a band's band, right? Like you, you yeah. go and see bands, and then they find out who you are, and then they're like, "Oh, dude, I, I love that record." You know, everybody that's a musician checks out that record, and then you've got some slob that's yeah. like, "Uh, well, you know, I, I think you guys should tone this down." Yeah. And I think that your I think that your your song structures, your melodies are a little weird. You know, like yeah. it just it just blows my mind seeing that happen even as late as 2006 because like now you put a record out now it's all your call. Record labels is just like record labels how what whatever capacity they exist now are just happy that you're like, you know, not asking for more money. Yeah, I think you know, it was really funny. Working with Dave Fortman was probably the best thing that ever happened to us as a band, ever. Because, and I'll still give that guy credit. I'm still friends with him, and it's not like 
I'm not trying to like suck him or anything. I'm just saying that this guy really has the ability as a producer to sit down with a band. And, and you know, there was a big thing with him and Slipknot about production. I don't know if y'all remember, there was a big story that came out. If you search Dave Fortman Slipknot, there was a big fight because they felt like he was trying to change them or whatever. And I it was, was before so, Iowa, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah and I, I was, remember that. I was so taken back by that because that is not Dave at all. Like I knew from the moment I read that, that they were lying or something was lying. Something was wrong in the mix because Dave legit is the complete opposite of that. That guy has this uncanny ability to look at you as a band, as an individual band and say, let's capture this right now. If something sucks, Dave's going to say, look, this is kind of weak. But when Dave points something out, I 100% of the time always agreed with the guy. Right now, I might be a special case because, I mean, I just remember Dave saying stuff and being like, holy shit, you're right. Like, if we go to this instead of this, that's way better. You know, and Dave has always been the kind of producer that I would always want to work with. If I ever did music again on a level that I needed that type of production, Dave, I would tell Dave, look, you either do this or it ain't being done. Like, Rick Beato's great. He did good work on Paper Cut. Like, all this stuff's good. Sorry if you hear the train. They're bringing me my stuff. <laughs> but, like, I got to run out for a minute. Hold yeah. on. You know, like Chris Lord Algie is a great producer. You know, he's very like kind of a rock, mainstream rock producer. But there's something about Dave Foreman to me that is just like his ability is unmatched. I do not hear his production ability in any other producer that I listen to. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I've, I've listened to a lot. I'm pretty well versed. I'm critical. I know what Chris Lord Algie's Tom sounds like compared to his brother, Tom Lord Algie. Like I know I'm like in it. Like, so when I listen to Dave and, and listen to his production, I'm just like, holy shit. So when I heard Slipknot come out and say, oh, Dave's ruining our record. I'm thinking, no, motherfuckers, I don't know y'all, but y'all are ruining your record because the reality is that there's no way that, you know, the Butcher of Orleans is ruining your fucking album. Like, it's just like that dude is a G, you know, so I don't know what happened between them, but on the record, I mean, just like I don't even know where I started. I'm be honest with you guys. I'm no clue where we started this, but no, no, you're good. You know, he's like Dave is legit like the best. So I don't know. I don't know. Rick Beato is good too, though. I mean, I do like Rick Beato's production and I like his YouTube channel too. So I've been well, trying to talk Dave into doing that, by the way. He wouldn't even let me play any Toms. Sorry. Don't like well, him. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't let you play Tom. Well, I didn't know about this. Nope. Yeah. You don't want to let Chad Kent play, play Toms? Toms? Yeah. <laughs> Double thumbs down. Oh, man. Do you ought to write him. Listen, Chad, go to his, go to his YouTube page. he's a smart guy but you know he definitely does not know drums to the level that he thinks he does well he's like he has this thing like what makes this song great on youtube need i remind you this is chad kent from adam ship yeah (laughs) (laughs) chad you should go on his youtube and write him and say remember when you wouldn't let me play toms what makes that song great you douche i did once or twice and he never responded of course not of course not but i mean the whole thing is I think Rick does do it. Rick captures good sounds, but again, maybe he's one of those producers that like has a vision, you know, and he wants that vision captured. And Dave, to me, was a producer that was like, let's capture your vision, you know, and that combined with his talent is just unmatched. Dave, yes. Rick, no. Yeah. Dave, yes. <laughs> exactly. <No>. <laughs> but <laughs> so once you're off wind up, yeah. Um, 
Is that why there was a distinction between it going from just being Adam ship to being Adam ship down? I think I think we lacked originality. Like, okay, so the <laughs> what I mean is in band names. I, um, originally, the the original name of the band. A lot of people don't know this too. Y'all are getting the juice on your show for sure. The original name of the band was um, in memory of nine. And we and I'll, I'll get to the distinction. I promise. I know I'm long winded. The Very reason good. the reason we named it in memory of nine is because our first storage unit was number nine and it had a leak and they moved us to 12. So we named the band in memory of nine, the storage unit. So then we ended up with Watership Down to me. The, I watched the movie when I was young and it freaked me the hell out, bro. Like I was a kid. I was like, oh, like what? They're killing each other. Like it was it's disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm used to cartoons just being funny. You know, the coyote always gets blown up, but he doesn't die. And then all of a sudden, you know, I watch Watership Down and I'm like, ah, so we were trying to think of a band name and we ended up not going with In Memory of Nine. We ended up going with Watership Down and we loved it. And then what happened, the reason Adam Ship even came around as a name was because they had the Schultz Foundation or whatever had bought the musical rights to the name Watership Down because they were going to do a like a, a Broadway show or they were trying to produce a Broadway show. So they needed the musical rights. So we were told, unfortunately, hey, you can't have this name. And I was that really sucked. I'm going to be honest. That really hit me in the gut because that was like our identity. Like I always view, I will always view the band as Watership Down. Adam Ship was, we were given like a list of names, I think. And the, no one was happy with any of them. So we decided to like make up a name like quick on the spot. I, I had nothing to do with it. I'll be we, honest. This, this is Chad. No, no, no. When we were in LA, we tried and tried for weeks. We ran dozens of different attempts of names through the system, you know, that tells you if they're taken or not. And eventually it just, we're like, you know what, Richard Adams, Adam, but you know what, science, A-P-O-M, and we'll keep the ship. So yeah, Adam ship. Yeah, yeah. there it is. It still <laughs> yeah. sounds sci-fi. Yeah, yeah it still sounds sci-fi. And a lot of people, I mean, for you guys, you know, you probably heard, pour some tea, but you guys probably heard, you know, like the name Adam Ship. That's all you've ever known. And to you, the band is Adam Ship. I mean, you've learned about Watership Down at some point, obviously, because we could talk about it. Right. But it was like, to me, the name Adam Ship was so disconnected from what we were. Like, I was, it was always so weird to me. It was like, okay, so they renamed the band weird. You know, I was like, why? And it's because we couldn't get the rights. We would have been sued if we used it, you know? And so then we leave Wind Up, you know, and we're like, what do we do to maintain our, like, because let's say we just change the name again. All right, let's say we're not Adam Ship anymore. We're going to change the name. We know we can't use Adam Ship because, like, Greg Wattenberger have a stroke, you know? So, like, what name are we going to use, you know? And we're like, well, we were Watership Down. Let's go back to that. But then we knew those musical rights were done, and we were in enough of the spotlight to know that that would just get us in trouble, right? So we yeah. said, well, let's just use Adam Ship Down. I mean, that was it. There was almost no thought process whatsoever. And in my opinion, like, if you're asking me whether or not that was a good idea, I'd say no. I don't like the name at all. I've never, <laughs> liked, I've never liked the name Adam Ship. I mean, I've just never liked the name. Like, I like the band clearly. The drummer's cool, and I think the writers were good. But I, the name Adam Ship to me was just like, what is this? Like, who is this? You know? So it was just weird. But yeah, we got away from Wind Up. We went with Adam Ship down, working with Nathan, and then that's when Nathan started kind of going downhill, you know, and then everything just. It was just bad. 
Yeah, I was going to ask originally. I had in my in my original notes. I actually wrote down interview questions for this, which I don't always use them. But uh, that was one of my questions. Was just like whatever happened with Adam Ship down after kind of the demise of Adam Ship and the relationship with the label. But I feel like it's kind of self explanatory at this point. Yeah, I mean, it got to the point. So I had a studio at the time. I built a studio. I had a cool. Uh, I don't remember what. I've actually bought one of Tom Petty's old recording consoles. It was a Trident. I bought it off his estate when I was like, cool. And then I recorded Learning to Fly on it and just used it. But the uh, I just wanted to hear if it sounded the same, and it did. So I thought that was rad. But what ended up happening was, um, you know, after... And I'll just be straight. I mean, I got to shoot it straight. I'm That's who I am. After Joey kicked Nathan out, Nathan didn't take it so well emotionally. And uh, he got extremely depressed and extremely like... I don't know. He was very... Yeah, there it is. He was very, um, I don't know, man. He just wasn't Nathan anymore. He was so depressed and so insecure and like about his play. Yeah. I mean, he, he lived it. He was a rock star before we were ever even signed in his mind. And, you know, just, uh, yeah, it killed him. Yeah. He went from being Nathan to being a guy. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. It was really strange. And he was just so proud of his accomplishments. And like all he ever wanted to do was play music. His dad was a musician his father had passed away. He used his dad's guitar on a tour and everything. Like this guy just just lived and breathed music. So that when Joey decided, yo, you're out, you know, and Nathan goes to the label, like, can you believe this guy? And the label's like, yep, you're out. You know, it really took the wind out of his sails. And, uh, you know, he ended up hanging with some people that I didn't know. I mean, these are people that I guess he knew from work or somewhere. And he and Chad and I are still getting together. We're still writing, you know, we're still putting music together and uh, trying to get something together that we could go to Dave with and just kind of release demo quality, cool music. You know, like it, it wasn't going to be overproduced record label album, but it was going to be stuff just as good as the Watership Down demo, if not better at that point, because David improved as a as a producer. And um, man, it just like... And that's when Greg came about and told me I couldn't play with you guys anymore. And I was yeah. like, eh, you know what? I'm out. Yeah, that's when Greg got a hold of Chad and was like, you can't play with Nathan and Derek anymore. And Chad was like, uh, "Okay, mom. Yeah, dad. Listen, yeah, I'm gonna do what I want." High school bullshit, and uh, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> but he thought there was a conflict of interest between Chad playing with us and then doing the paper cut masker stuff at the time. Dumb. Dumb. Because, yeah. I mean, Joey threw a fit about it, and I hated that he did because you know I tried to reason with him that, look, man, I mean, I can do both, I promise, but I have to have a creative outlet because. They're literally tying one arm behind my back and one leg behind my back. You know, yeah, I can't yeah. play anything. Yeah. And yeah, Chad felt like paper cut massacre. I think Chad, I can't speak for you. Interrupt me if I'm wrong, but it was kind of like a day job. Like he went in there and it was just sleeping behind the drums. Like every track was withered, you know? Yeah. And he it depressed me it. actually. Yeah. yeah. So we got together and we were creating cool ass shit. And then like, you know, Nathan's just declining. Like his just his mentality and everything is just like slowly declining. And I remember... I asked him one night, he went in the bathroom or something. We thought he was using some drugs or something, you know? And like, yeah. like here's the thing. We <laughs> we were not into drugs. I mean, you might listen to the album and think, Dan, these dudes were on some psychedelics. No way, bro. I couldn't even <laughs> smoke weed. I'd have a panic attack, right? Like, I can't, I know Chad smoked some weed, but we weren't into drugs. We weren't like, we weren't taking psychedelics. We weren't smoking weed to write. We weren't doing anything. I mean, I was about as straight edge as you could get. And um, I remember, and Nathan was too, you know, Nathan didn't really smoke weed that much either. It made him paranoid, you know, like nothing. So we were kind of the losers, you know, when it came to the music industry. But I remember Nathan, I was just like, what's going on, man? Are you all right? And he was like, yeah. And he kind of like fell asleep one night, like sitting in a chair playing his guitar. 
And I remember being like, no, nah, dude, something's going on. And he was like, no, nah, I just took a Xanax and he was drinking Heineken like constantly, Oof. which which kind of was out of his, uh, that's kind of out of character. I'm gonna be honest with you. And I got in so much trouble and this irritates me to this day. I called Marlene, right? And maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I should have. What ended up happening is some stuff came up missing, right? From the studio. And I said, this motherfucker, I called him on camera. So I called Marlene. I said, Mar, listen, I do not want to get Nathan in trouble. He's like my brother, but something's going on. Like something's going on bad. Like I think he's using some pretty heavy drugs. And this is something that we need to approach, you know, as a group and this and that. And she got furious with me, furious. Right. And I remember her like screaming at me about it. And I thought I'm trying to help him, you know, and she's like, you're going to put him in jail and this and that. And I was like, I'm not going to put him in jail. And so I'm reaching out to you. So she didn't want to hear me. So then I called Kenny and Kenny was like, nah, Kenny just thought I was starting shit, right? Kenny, honestly, that was the one time that Kenny and I were not on the same page. He thought I was just stirring up shit because I was unhappy about the paper cut massacre thing and being cut. Like I was trying to badmouth people. And he was all about kind of like the PR, you know, like, don't say that. What are you talking about? And there's nothing wrong, you know? And like, I knew Nathan like a brother. Chad knew Nathan like a brother. Chad and I had talks. We knew something was wrong. And we like, I've tried reaching out and just got shit on basically. Chad tried reaching out, and I think, you know, his words were met with deaf ears as well. Kind of like, did Derek tell you to say this kind of mentality? And I remember just being like, man, how do we help somebody when nobody will fucking listen to us? You know, when like we're legit people that have known this guy for years, years and years and years and created music, which is a whole nother level. Y'all know this. Once you create music with somebody, you develop the force, as we call it. And it's kind of like you're as close as family. And, you know, we tried. Everybody shit on us. Didn't want anything to do with it. And that December, he died. He died in his bathroom, which is which is shit. And then, you know, of course, because me being the asshole that tried to help him or whatever, I was banned from the funeral, which always will affect me. I thought that was stupid. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those deals that was just went down real stupid. And I think the people... Like Marlene won't talk to me this day. I've seen her before. I've seen her like around town and stuff when I'm in Mississippi. And like, she just hangs her head and walks past me. And it's like, I get it. Like, I think she has a lot of regret for not listening to me, you know? And I don't hold any, what's up? Look, man, I got to address this with you now because I know you've been carrying this for a long time. You know, Mm -hmm. I was at the funeral. I spoke. I was one of the three people that they wanted to speak, you know, uh, and from talking to everybody and family, um, they didn't, the blame wasn't on you, but brother, it wasn't me. Oh. They held it with Joey for firing him and that, you know, and yeah. I'm not saying that it was, that was the fault, but I just want you to know, man, you know, yeah. that don't carry that guilt anymore because they, no, they I mean, you know, Joey was the one that they really thought was the. Yeah. Well, I just always thought that they should have fucking listened to me. I think, you know, I feel like they if somebody would have just, li- they just thought I was starting shit. I'm be honest. And I was a shit starter. I mean, they had every reason to believe that. I mean, that was my mentality then as a kid. You can ask Chad. I mean, I was just a shit starter. You know, I'd fake my own death twice a month just to freak out fans. I didn't care. I thought it was funny, you know. And it was one of those deals that, like, they just, when it when it was important, still Boy Who Cried Wolf. I think somebody should have told me that story when I was young. You know, because by the time something important came around, you know, everybody was just like, oh, you're just starting shit. You know, and it was so frustrating for me. And then for him to die like that was just kind of like, you know, what do you say? Because I told you so. I mean, you don't fucking say that. You know what I mean? You just end up in this situation where you're just muted. And you're like, Nathan was a rude man. You know what I mean? It was nobody's fault. I mean, it just, it's a tragedy, man. Yes. Actually, yeah. It was was probably one of the worst, worst moments of my life, actually. Like, because it was like, 
at that point, I knew that what Watership Down or Adam Ship was as a total was gone. There was no more. Yep. Like it would never yep. be back unless we can resurrect the dead. It's it's gone as it's as itself. So then, it, you know, that's where music starts really changing for me. And I think for Chad, too. And it's like we just ended up in this weird spot where it was like, well, it's gone. You know, when you have a tool to do a job and then the tool is gone, you can't do the job. And, you know, and we lost a friend and a brother and it was just like everything all at once. It was so strange, you know. And uh, and that was probably the first real loss outside of my father that I'd felt. I know shortly after that, my grandfather passed away. So that gets into that part. But I remember Nathan was kind of the first person that I was like, wait a minute, he's gone, gone. Like, what's going on? And I called Kenny, you know, and I'm not not necessarily frantic or anything. No, actually, Kenny called me and he was like, is this your are you joking around online or is this for real? Like, he thought I was kidding. Like, And I'm like, Kenny, I've grown up for fuck's sake. Quit seeing me as like a 14 year old kid. You know, starting shit like, you know, I'm almost 20, Kenny, <clears throat> you know, kind of mentality. But no, I just remember being like, no, this is legit. Like he's died. Kenny's dead. And uh, it was weird, man. I mean, no band should end like that. You know what I mean? No band should have to end like that. We sh- we could have. We honestly, if we could have helped Nathan or if Nathan could have helped himself, we were set up. We had a studio in my backyard that Dave could have came into and recorded anything we wanted and produced anything we wanted. And we and we could have been like artistic and creative and kept it going. But, you know, everything just kind of fell silent on that. It's always been you and me, though, since the yeah. beginning. It's always yeah. been us. And we're I mean, as here. it turns out, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you look at Chad and I... Yeah, exactly. If you look at Chad and I in music, right? We started with just Chad, I, and Jay, right? Which Jay was like an original guitarist guy. And then we played with my brother. My brother played guitar with us for a while. And then we got in with the Nathan thing and played Steve with him. Warren. Yeah, Steve Warren. We played. So we played with all these other musicians. And the, the core of it was always Chad and I. And I remember everything just comes out sounding like Watership Down. Like everything. Like it just, it's what we write. You know, it's like, it, it pains me. Like you say, yeah, I've, you know, followed your solo stuff. It is so hard for me to break away from like i'll write a riff and i'll be like this is great and then i'm like this sounds like adam ship or this sounds like watership down or you know what i mean like i cannot like it's just that's what comes out of me like that's it that's what i write and then chad is such an amazing compliment to that with his ability and his skill that when you put those two things together just the two elements and nathan came in as kind of like you know the sprinkles on top is how i would always view nathan like chad and i would bring the core together and then Nathan would come in with sprinkles. <laughs> so that's a terrible analogy. <laughs> but the, no, it's you know, actually, it's actually about right, man. Yeah. yeah. So nobody's ready for dessert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anytime Chad and I get together, because when I was living, I was living in a place called Gulf Hills here, and I had a studio, and we had gotten together a few times there. And that's when we wrote, like, oh, we played a show, Chad. Shit, I forgot about that. We ended up playing a couple shows. We played, uh, yeah, we played Zeppelins, and we had we were working with uh, Brooks Hubbard, right? Yep. Juke yeah. joint and uh yeah. Firefly or Yeah, or, Firefly, Juke Joint, yeah. Zeppelins. We played some local bars and like people were stoked. The 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 Firefly was like the Nathan's That was just yeah. you and me. Yeah, that, that was, was just you and I uh, for Nathan's ode anniversary. Nathan, that's right. That was yeah. an ode to Nathan. Yeah, and we just played the whole album acoustically. Chad was on a kit playing everything, but playing it softer. <laughs> and I played guitar and sang, and it was really cool. People liked it. But the 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 stuff we did with Brooks Hubbard. Brooks Hubbard's a phenomenal musician, by the way. He's on tour right now, or he was before 
COVID, <laughs> whatever. But back when everybody was on tour, yeah, yeah, you know, back before, back before COVID. Um, but he, he, even with him as an influence with us, like we had a song called Cigarette. We had a bunch of other tracks. I think we ended up writing like ten tracks together. If you listen to those tracks today and no one told you that it wasn't Watership Down, right? You would be like, okay, this is Watership Down. Like everything just sounds like Watership Down. Like it's just so, you know, that's that's kind of like the the truth is this. Here's the absolute truth when it comes to Watership Down. As long as Chad and I are alive, it can be done. And that's honest to God's truth. Even if it's just Chad and I, because we can channel enough Nathan and I can play guitar well enough to say, all right, Nathan would have done this or let's lag this a little Let's do an upstroke here. Let's drop into a four four here while we stay on like a you know a seven eight or something. Like we know what we were doing. We were around it enough to say we can make this work, you know. And um and vocally, I'm still there. I mean, I'm still tracking stuff that's heavy. Like I haven't lost any of that, thankfully. Chad's talent's still there, which is fantastic, you know. So I think that as long as we're still breathing, <laughs> right? There's always going to be that chance of of that that kind of like that watership down coming that sound anyway coming back to life now whether i'd say honestly i'm I, and i'll be real with you guys if i were to work on music ever again on a serious level it would be with chad and it would be under the name watership down and i just wouldn't give a shit if we got in trouble i wouldn't give a shit if people cared oh we own the musical rights i'd say well then fucking sue me like i just don't care you know like you just throw I, the number four in for the a and be fine yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly what is it like 12 percent or something right yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have yeah. to be perfect. So if Wait, I, as, as a fan, um, what do you think the percentage of that actually happening would be? Not putting you on no, the spot, I mean, but absolutely doing that. I mean, yeah. I would, I would be, I would. Okay. So personally, I think we were both, I won't speak for Chad. I'll just speak for me. Sorry. Personally, I would be a hundred percent down to do it. Uh, logistically, that's where the percentages would have to come in. I don't know. Go ahead. Oh, Chad says 10%. No, <laughs> no. <just> <laughs> I know. I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. So 100%. His connection's uh, so slow, it looks like 100%. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's good. It's good, Chad. I'm telling you, bro, you can get DSL these days. It's 2021. You don't have to stay on dial up. DSL. <laughs> I'm hooked up through the wireless, I promise. Oh, you're good. Yeah, it's cool. No, you're fine. It's fine. Just let us know if someone needs to make a call. We'll know that we'll take a break. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, <laughs> I think that personally, I'm 100% down to do it. And I think that Chad and I have kind of, we didn't grow apart, so to speak. I think there was a probably a time when we were just kind of like, I was a dick. I'll be honest. I mean, I was just kind of like working, working, working. I wasn't looking at music as an outlet and I was just kind of like trying to find something. Yeah, right? cuz you know, here's a guy dropped out of school, you know, became a musician and then stayed a musician for, you know, nobody was in the game, just the game in my opinion longer than me because, you know, Chad had a real job for money, which was cool, you know. I mean, people think you get signed and you're rich or whatever. No, it's like welcome to the bottom, you know, you're nothing. Yeah. Um, I mean, when we got signed, we got a pretty good check and I bought a two door Honda Accord. That's how rich I was. You know what I mean? Like I was like, hell yeah. A Honda Accord and can pay my bills for five years. That's what I'm talking about. You know, seat which, slides all the way forward. Yeah. Look, look, <laughs> this, <laughs> this one would be heated if it wasn't broken, you know, like it's like that kind of thing. So, uh, and then the, the Katrina sucked too, because I'd spent a lot of my money building this amazing studio and stuff. We'll get back to your question. I'm sorry, Dan. Fuck. I'm ADD as shit. You're good. Anyway, um, 100% chance that I would do it personally. And I 100% chance that we could pull it off without a doubt. And then I would say logistically, there's better than an 80% chance that we could pull it off, I would say. 
I just don't know logistically from here being put on the spot how exactly between me being between Houston and here, how we would go about it. Because the way Chad and I work, we have to be in the room together. There is no, I mean, I could write riffs and give them to Chad and he could track little things and this and that, but you're not going to get the full evolution that brings a song to life, you know, doing this remote shit with each other. Like we would legit have to sit down and say, okay, this is a riff idea. Yeah. Just grind it out. Like we used to say, you know, find the force again, grind it out. And, uh, here's, here's look, I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do kind of a, a promise and Chad has to agree. So I can't promise alone. It's a group promise. What month is it? Do I know what month it is? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's still, it's still March of 2020, right? Um, oh, oh yeah. yeah. March of 2021. Okay. Well, good guess. well, there we go. March. Yeah. Good. Guess. I mean, I'm sitting at a computer that says three twenty two twenty one right there. I probably could have figured it out. I'm blind as hell. I couldn't have read it anyway. Yeah. I just got my first pair of glasses, man. It's awesome. I can actually see individual <laughs> leaves. <laughs> um, so the, uh, I think that by the, the only thing that's going to be weird for me with this is that come August, I think I'm going to be kind of slammed, but I think Chad and I are going to work together on this cannabis thing because Chad wants to be involved to help and I surely can use like a smart brain like Chad and um and really guys you know I'm, I'm a, a musician at heart but like this has taken over my life I mean I've got lobbyists and legislators and attorneys and I mean it's just like we got investors you know investing in us and like it's all kinds of stuff like Bailey Fair is my attorney and the dude's an absolute genius business attorney with our firm and it's just, I feel like a nerd. Like, I just feel like an old man every day. I wake up and I'm like, so Bailey, what's the update on HB 115 <laughs> legislation? Like, and it's really draining, but time consuming as well. So it's did he both. respond with a guitar? Just say, Derek, it's it's all right. All right. <laughs> you, hired, you hired me to take care of this stuff. So, uh, yeah. yeah. You you pay to retain us. Let me handle it. I go, I can't trust you, Bailey. <laughs> Never. So it's one of those things. It's like, I, you know, and then like, it's strange too, like, because we're on the board of advisors for the 3MA, which is the Mississippi Marijuana Medical Marijuana Association. And like, I do work with that, work with, try to try to keep up with Ken Newberger as much as possible, who kind of spearheaded the initiative 65 in the state. And like, so not to get too much into that, but that takes a lot of my time. But I can tell you this, by the end of this year, because of this interview, you guys have a big reason to pat yourselves on the back. If by the end of this year, Chad and I don't have five tracks somewhere, right? I would be super surprised. I would be super surprised. I owe you a dollar. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> and we'll make we'll make the whole demo a dollar to buy it. And then your there IOU you is paid. But because I feel like I'm spending a lot of time in Mississippi right now. I'm not in Houston a lot. Um, and all I do is kind of like either work or play Warzone. I mean, it's really kind of boring, you know, like I've been working. I, I relate to that. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> I'm either working or it's like, let's see if somebody can trash me with an AUG today and make me go. Why don't they nerf the AUG? You know, they so definitely can. Yeah. Yeah. Nerf the AUG. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, it's one of those deals where I think that by the end, Chad, do you agree or disagree? Chime in here. Totally. Oh, I'm on board. There you go. You guys did it. You brought your band back together. Hey, you know, we're trying. You should be proud <laughs> of yourselves. Yeah, well, we can get at least five tracks out, I think. I mean, I've already got, like, enough material, I think, that Chad can sift through and say, this is garbage, let's get together, you know? <laughs> like, we'll be able to do that. <laughs> But we should, and look, Dave is living right here in Florida. So what's really funny about this is he's doing nothing. And he'll even admit because of COVID, he'll, I don't know if he's doing nothing. That's kind of harsh. I think he is doing some pre-pro stuff, but he's not in a studio anywhere. Like no one's doing anything. Um, but 
he set his room up based on my room in Gulf Hills. So he owes me one. Like he came in and measured everything. He was like, this room sounds phenomenal. You know, I was like, Dave, you owe me one. You're going to mix five tracks for us. And then he'll be like, deal. He'll probably come over here and record it, Chad, to be honest. We'll set up. Okay. We'll set up this this bad boy right here. Let's see. How do I change? Let me edit this avatar. I want to show you all something. This is funny. Oh, wait, I just found stuff. What is this? Codes? How would it hurt? Erase Dixie? So, no, I was just going to show off this console I had. But I look like an idiot in the picture. So I was the first person. I'm going to brag a little bit, if you don't mind. Because I did this without music money. I did this working my ass off for Walmart doing contract irrigation. I had a company that did contract irrigation. And I was the first person... Uh, in the United States to buy an Audi and ASP 4816. And I still have that console and the thing is sick. So I was just bragging. Badass, so man. It's kind of nerdy. badass. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to pump it up. It's not that cool. I was about but, to um, point behind me and be like, look, look, dude, if you guys need a studio, just, you know, stop by. But I don't think you want to haul that console all the way up here. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's funny is I almost sold the thing. I had a guy offer me 15 K for it. And I was like, that's mm, it. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I Dan, mean, I'm going to need 16 K. <laughs> I need 16 K. to yeah, buddy, Let me just pull up the podcast bank account and I'll get back to you on that. Yeah. <laughs> best, I could, best I could do is 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah. What do you got? So I think, I think honestly though, back to what we we're saying, Chad and I could, and I would love to at least put out a five track demo from you know the rest of these Name some point this place. year and i'm there and it'll probably be at your house right there that we can write because i don't know unless you want to get a storage unit <laughs> i bet you can get number nine yeah yeah maybe we can go back and get storage unit nine the big room yeah that would work i mean it's yeah. all we need we all we need is yeah. a small room how big was the storage unit chad eight by twelve huh? how big was What's our that? storage unit our storage unit eight by twelve we could never afford the the twelve by eighteens. About the size right. of my desk. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yep. They were small, yeah. man. They were super small. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think even if we have to just do something, Chad, where because I have the ability to record here, maybe that's what we do, Chad. I mean, fuck, dude. I mean, the, y'all can cut this out because it's boring. But maybe uh, <laughs> it's let's just add a ship. Talk about some logistics real quick. Maybe Chad, you could just. I don't know if you'd want to bring that kit or a kit, but once we get to a point where we can track, we can bring it here. I'll probably get Dave to come here and we could just dry track everything. He could take it back to balance and like, you know, make it real. Sure. I'll bring it where you want me to. We can get our stims here. I'll be like, Dave, ready for a challenge? We're going to record in a house that was built in 1909. I mean, if it'll fit, I'll drag the big kit for sure. This is bonus round. Yeah, it'll fit. I got a ton. I got a ton of room here. I got a massive room about... I got a I got a room about half the size of Gulf Hills, so it's big enough. Okay, well then we're we're good to go. I'll cram it in there. Chad, remember we saw that ghost in Gulf Hills? I know you remember. Oh, dude, yeah, and then uh, <laughs> Alicia saw the same one too. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember Please that. tell me there's yeah, a song written out. called "The Ghost of Gulf Hills." No, but there will. That's you know what? Honestly, I'm gonna hold on. Opening opening track. Yeah. How do I not forget this? Goosebumps. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna make a little noise. I'm gonna grab. Wait a minute. I'm on a computer. Fuck. Sorry, man. I'm trying to write something down. I'm going to make a notepad on my desktop right now. If I remember how new notepad text. Oh, rich tech document. Let's get rich with it. All right, look, and I'm going to type. I'm going to start of something big right here. <laughs> yeah. The ghost of Gulf Hills. All right. I like that name because it reminds me of the butcher of Orleans too. I'm going to save that. Save. That'll be track two. I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. So I got it. I got it. Yeah. The butcher of Orleans. That's Dave. Yeah, well, they just all be like the things, like the Ghost of Gulf Hills, the Butcher. No, but I'll definitely, I'll name like the title track, the Ghost of Gulf Hills, just to prove to you that I was serious. 
It's out of here. I don't need no, proof, but I want proof. Well, we, we <laughs> but I want proof. We will hold you to it. Uh-oh. We'll definitely we'll get it done. I mean, I've been I've been writing a ton anyway, and I've been working with like Jennifer Flint from Roscoe Bandana. I think I mentioned that last night. Yeah. And, you know, she's great. She's working. She's actually doing an album with a girl, Fifi Dobson. Y'all remember that chick out of Canada? She was like a rock pop chick out of Canada. She did well. I mean, from what I could tell, her YouTube videos all had like 5 million views or something like that. But uh, she's working with her and I was writing with them trying to write rock music for a chick rock band. And the drummer for Cake is in with them too, I guess. I don't know. Something was going on. Then I was like, yeah, I'll write some tracks, but uh, I'd rather do Watership Down. (laughs) Yeah, I know Chad needs to write. Chad just got beat up online by a girl the other day. It was funny. Oh, yeah? No, she thought she did, but I (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. Chad, Chad, tell us again how you punched a girl. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. We're going to put this in the beginning, yeah. (laughs) So Chad, Chad, I love him. Believe it or not, women like Chad. Right, and I have no um, trouble believing that none at all. Talented, good looking, he's in shape, looks like a cop, yeah, yeah. looks like he used to. yeah, looks like you know. But Chad gets himself in trouble sometimes, not his <laughs> fault. I commend him for it. I got myself in plenty of trouble. Chad never got hit by a car, you know. I did that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah, I did 2010 on my bicycle, yeah, but it wasn't like a it wasn't like a this chick that was mad at you slamming into you in your front yard. Oh, no, 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 Remember uh, that? no. Jesus. I yeah, now it. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're talking about now. That's a hilarious story. I don't know if y'all need that kind of content, though. But anyway, this chick, I wouldn't answer the phone because she was like, nah, we're fighting or whatever, right? And I was like, I'm not answering the phone. I'll just fight with you, stupid, gorgeous bitch, you know? And she fucking comes flying in my yard in her car. I'm sitting on my swing out front. You, this quintessential, like, southerner, like, oak tree with a swing in it, you know, drinking, drinking iced tea. tea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I'm like, it's good to have land, you know. All of a sudden, she comes flying in the yard, like at 50 miles an hour. She like jumps my bushes and everything, and just like slams into me. I thought I was dead. Like <laughs> the second I saw her, like a foot from me, I was like, well, that was a good life. We're done. She slammed into me, knocked me back into the azaleas. How much southern can this get? But I was drinking my tea on my swing in my front yard, and this girl hit me so hard with her motorized carriage, I flew back into the azaleas. I did not court her anymore. Yeah. And no longer was she courted by me. But no, seriously, <laughs> she fucking hit the shit out of me. And I, my knees all busted up as hell, you know, and I'm like dead, basically on the ground. She gets out of the car. Oh, my God, I tried to stop. You know, like nobody's believing this. Like, that was full throttle. I know how cars work. That's acceleration, I heard, not brakes, you know. And like, so I'm like getting up and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm like pretty sure I'm coughing up blood. I don't know yet. And uh, her daughter gets out of the car, and I'm thinking, what? You just did this with your daughter in the car? Her daughter's all upset. I love her daughter to death, still to this day. I will forever hate her and always love her daughter. And, like, she, like, her daughter. So here I am, like, trying to stand up straight and act like, no, I'm good. (laughs) You know, we're good. Uh, Was that wrong? No, that was was fucking Marissa's stupid ass, man. Oh. So I just didn't want to I just didn't want to drop no names because somebody's gonna see this. Cause I'm gonna post about this and people are gonna watch it and then they're gonna be like, oh my god, I still talk to her. I send this to her. But I'm yeah. sending this to her right now. Yeah, and exactly. you're building, I'm tied up in some litigation right now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we were gonna write the album, but I'm getting sued for slander. But yeah. I didn't say her last name, so it could have been Marissa anybody. Her last name is McGillicuddy. I just made that up. So see, we're good. 
um she yeah and like so here i am like and i remember she left my knee just swelled up like as big as my head how do you drain like three times <laughs> that's true love right when somebody hits you with a car trying to that's funny now i'm actually so. now i'm blessed your man is blessed i'm not gonna lie the girl i'm with now is an anesthesiologist she is not just an anesthesiologist but she is like a phenomenal anesthesiologist like i'm always proud of her like we always get along she's always fantastic and it's really been good for me because the little remnants of my anxiety the like health anxiety that were left behind i'll be like is this cancer on my arm and she'll be like you're a fucking idiot you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know? and i'm like just checking you know so that's been that's a plus but no she's phenomenal you know and like i but i had to go through it i had to go through like a ton of bad to find somebody that i think i'll probably be with with like for at least another 50 years before i die and For just sure. like, you know, but Chad on the other hand, boy, this guy, he just, there ain't a girl he can't get. And he proves it. <laughs> without, without, yeah. Well, I didn't say you could keep them. So you could get them. It's different. I'm just kidding. It's hard. To, <laughs> look at the, everybody's laughing. It's hard to keep one girl that you like, Chad, when you're dating 20 of them. Jesus Christ. Look at the, the Hugh Hefner of drums right here. I don't blame him. He just takes them to the house. He's like, watch this, baby. He goes drum, drum, drum a little bit, you know, and then all of a sudden they're naked. Like, Check that's it out. This true. one's called. This one's called Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. This one's called Take Your Pants Off. Oh, oh but, man. Then we no, came like, back to reality. <laughs> who was the guy that played the flute and led the mice out of town? What was that guy's name? Pied Piper. Pied yeah. Piper. Yeah. Yeah. That's Chad on drums, but he leads the clothes out of off a of body. Oh, my. Joe, you got any more questions? I know we're hitting it like uh, two hours at this point. And uh, I mean, Derek okay. has told the story that covers almost every question I could have written before we started this talk. So. Oh, dude, he knocked out all my questions in the first 15 minutes. It was awesome. I'm good at what I do, guys. I'm good at what I do. I'm just kidding. You're like, <laughs> but it's better if we fucking ask and you tell us, you fucking dick. Don't you know how this works? It's like, I ask. Hell no, dude. This tell. is the best night off ever. Like, I'm going to listen to <laughs> Derek Pardo. One of my favorite migraine. vocalists just tell me everything <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> yeah. I've had a horrible migraine all day. So, like, this could not oh. have been any, any more chill for me. So well, I didn't make that awesome. any better. I'm sorry no. about that. <laughs> No, I well, think this, Mo, this Motrin did it. Did most of the work. Oh, I got you. If you, I mean, if y'all have any questions about something specific that I didn't answer for chat or anything, go ahead. I mean, I'm, I talk a lot, bro. <laughs> That's kind of my thing. Vocalists are supposed to be vocal. I mean, I don't even care anymore. You guys are coming back with like a commitment here. So yeah, 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 Chad. We got to figure this out, bro. We did our job. You're gonna be all like, we got to record this because Dan and Joe will be disappointed. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that I think have just given up on us. You know what I mean? They're like, they're like, you don't, you're not going to record anything ever again with Chad, are you? And I'm like, yeah, I will. And they're like, no, you won't. And I'm like, yeah, I will. <laughs> you know, so this is a chance for us to, to get together. Look at this future musician coming in. <laughs> I, thought I, heard him, I thought I heard him walking around up here. This is Leo. What's up, Leo? He can't he's hear supposed me. To be, he's supposed to be asleep. Looks like he might have been asleep. He got up, huh? Was, he might have been for a couple minutes. And he's I like, think I that's didn't... your secret uh, ending cue right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Exactly. Yeah, this actually, this is this is like the first time this ever happened, I think, on... Perfect uh, timing. Y'all are around some mystical motherfuckers, right? I ain't gonna lie. We've had some yeah. weird lives. And weird <laughs> things happen around us, for sure. <laughs> 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 Honest to God. 
Honestly, we got spiritual here tonight. Yeah, we got a little spiritual. Good. And I do look forward to, to doing some stuff. I'll keep you guys updated on, you know, where Chad and I are at. And I'll call Dave tomorrow and I'll probably call Chad after we get off here. If you're not busy, Chad, you busy? Oh, uh, nope. he looks looks around he's like nope i wish i had a camera but you know but sorry i do have a camera somewhere but it's shit like i would look worse than chad with a good connection mine's pretty bad so good mine was like a 20 dollar amazon camera (laughs) so like (laughs) yeah the reason i sound good i'm gonna the blue snowball usb mic on on this but I, I was actually, I was going to be like, man, let me hook up this Neumann and just sound like an absolute G or my Mojave. And I was like, I don't have time. Like, I didn't think about it until it was like 7.45. So I said, nah. I said, we'll just run this. I don't know, man. <laughs> these, Heil, these Heil sound microphones are, they look cool and they sound good. Yeah, you guys sound great. I like, I was looking at those. One's blue, one's red. It's like the Power Rangers over here. What is the, who makes them? Are these the ones uh, with the ad? So oh. Heil sound, uh, they're, uh, they're out of, where are they at, Joe? They're like, 10 minutes away. We're in St. Louis. Just over the river, dude. They're local. Just over the river. And they, these are actually the same microphones they used in the Hunger Game movies. Really? Um, yeah. We got ours for like a really ridiculous discount because apparently they, according to somebody, they have some sort of like physical defect, but I don't see that. So I guess like some of the spacing is not like, some yeah. of the spacing is not like perfect in here. Maybe it's a different shade of blue than they originally wanted. I don't know, but it, it works for me. And it sounds I, great. Yeah, you guys yeah. sound good. And Bob's known, Fantastic. especially now in the radio and oh, the yeah. podcast world, because of the PR40. That's the one you've probably heard of and seen a thousand yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's a genius in, of an engineer. Uh, God, I could do another hour and a half on Bob Heil. Dude's like, read books. <laughs> figure out exactly what yeah. your ears do. Now you can learn how to mix a concert. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ham radio enthusiast. I love the guy. Yeah, I remember when I got into production, and I'm not that good. I'll be the first to admit, I I can make something sound like something, but I could probably name three tracks that I've ever recorded myself that I was happy with. And uh, it is, dude. It takes a special person to do that. Like, special person. Like I can name do- about 40 that you've done that I'm aware of. Um, if you have time, I'll just go ahead and read the list. Yeah, go, yeah, just go down the list and I'll tell you which ones I like and don't for production value only. <laughs> settle you know, down. Let's just start s- there. Settle down. Uh, let me think. Yeah, settle down is okay, I guess. I mean, it's in the, one to 10. I give it a four on production, though. <laughs> I heard that. Four out but, of seven. <laughs> four, four, out of, four out of 40. Yeah. But um, settle down was fun. Lonely Inch Shifter was a lot of fun to do. And uh, that's kind of up tonight. I was actually going to do that. I'm going to upload tonight, Joe. I don't know if you stay up late, Dan. I don't know what y'all's schedule's like, but with a migraine, you might want to rest, Dan. Yeah, okay. But I'm going to upload the uh, the stuff I did under Pedal Horse tonight. I finally got it. I found it all. And so I'm going to put that on my band camp. And you don't have to, don't buy it. That's awkward. I'm not plugging you guys to buy it. Just so you can listen to it for free on there as many times as you want. We'll, we'll buy it, dude. Don't worry about it. I was always so surprised, man. I was like, why are people buying this? All you gotta do is push play and like you have it, it's there, you know? Because so, I want it in the highest quality I can get it. I got well, it. that's what was funny is like <laughs> I was listening to all of this came about, this whole interview and, and everything came about like over the weekend where Joe and I were supposed to be doing something productive. And what we <laughs> ended up doing was talking about like, so Joe just sent me like, I don't know, probably like a terabyte of all the music that we recorded. Um, over the years, like since we were, you know, teenagers in bands 
and I'm listening to all these tracks and I'm, I'm enjoying them. And we're, we, him and I had this like long conversation until like two 30 in the morning about all the stuff that we've done and you know, all the, all the weird band history stuff or whatever. He's like, he's like, Oh, I'm going to send you something really cool. He's like, this is some of the, uh, he, he's, he's like, I have the original, uh, watership down demo. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, I got that. He's like, no, 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 you don't have it. Like I have it. Because you know, what you like, have was recorded off of MySpace like 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, like however I got the like they're just crappy like garbage MP3 versions of the songs. Yeah, and um, he's like he's like he's like I'll send it over to you. And I was like, where did you get this? Like in this in this good quality? And he's like, dude, Tarek's got a Bandcamp. Just go on there and get it. <laughs> so I did. Uh, I did, and then I and then I just like you know being a music fan, I'm just listening to it over and over and over and over again. And then I bought it. And then I posted something up on Twitter, you know, Facebook, like, oh God, you know, this is this is so cool. Like this version, this version of uh of Whitfield is like totally unhinged, you know, like it's yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah. love it. And um I'm going on and on about it. And I go back to the Bandcamp page and it just says contact. And I was like, you know what? I I'm just gonna send a message out and see if uh see if dude wants to talk, you know. Cause then yeah. at that point the podcaster in me woke up and was like, dude, why 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 haven't you got why haven't you interviewed Derek before, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you might as well reach out. All he can say is no, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, 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 I I mean, half the messages I send out, I don't expect to get a response to. So, you know. I mean, you know, the thing that worked out well is typically I don't check email. Like, I'm not a big email guy or anything. Like, if you don't text me, (laughs) like, if you can't find my number somewhere and text me, it's hard to get a hold of me. But I've been keeping up with email more with starting up this business. Like, that's how all the attorneys send the stuff. And I look and I'm like, what is this? This is about a podcast. I was like, <laughs> and then what's funny is as I, I ended up searching my email after you sent it to me for the word podcast, because it was like buried under a bunch of legal documents that got sent or whatever. And I remember you mentioned yeah, I had like 12 emails from different podcasts in there over the <laughs> past six. I think podcasting is becoming like the thing with COVID being, you know, shitting on shows. You get to have people in and, you know, talk and stuff. But I'll definitely tell all 17 of our fans that we did this and try to get them over here. You know, to have totally. Place. Well, and hopefully we'll get some new uh, we'll get some new traffic. You know, we'll link to yeah. the, we'll link to the band camp and all that stuff. And then they're going to listen to this interview and be like, yeah, you guys can expect uh you know some music here by the yeah. end of the year we also worked with jesse duncan those songs were fucking sick too man i still Ooh, have those oh my gosh i wish they would have been finished dude, dude the whole, they are finished yep. i finished them what do you mean i finished them ages ago I just never i've them. never yeah. heard of them there's one there's a song called hole in the Damn. sky that is actually i need to get that out because it was like the beast of all songs it was kind of like it was Adam. Epic Schiff's. was pretty epic too. Epic was good, and Ortho Tricycling was good. Ortho Tricycling. <laughs> what a nice name! But um, right. No, Hole in the Sky was good, man. It was kind of like the Bohemian Rhapsody of Watership Down. It was weird. It was like just an epic track, and like the catch line was, "I always thought the moon was just a hole in the sky where dreams escaped into the night," and it was just this sick, huge build. It was like nuts, dude. I need to get that out. I'll, I'll get that one. I'll get that. Yeah, give it to him. Yeah, yep. we'll get it. We'll get it out. I'm glad you guys kind of re-inspired us, and I'm hope that we weren't too annoying on your podcast. No, you're great. This, right. this is awesome. Like I said, it was. I'll easy put you guys me. down for next weekend. We'll just do this again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll just do this over and over. But, Welcome uh, to Watership, Watership Down, Down Episode podcast. Five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll come back once we release our demos and people had a chance to listen to them. We'll come back and have a talk about it. You know, that way you yeah. guys do it. We cut on that. Be sweet. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the, this. Was really cool. This is like I said. I had all these questions, but I was kind of like. I, I was kind of like, oh, do I really want to ask that? You know, whenever whenever you're in a situation where 
you've got band members that have passed away. You've got such a such a long history of a band. It's one of those like, oh, I don't know really if I want to ask that or if that's going to be this. And I, I really appreciate your guys' transparency on on everything and it just being being super chill. Yeah, and, um, yeah sure. And I also like the fact, too, that if, if somebody's getting into the band now, because that does happen, like people people are still hearing that record for the first time. Yeah. And, you know, because you could stream it, you can get it, you can get it, whatever, whatever, wherever you need. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just I really appreciate getting all those questions answered. And now if somebody's getting into the band, they want to hear, well, who is this band? Where do they come from? Whatever. Now, now they have that. Yeah. You know? In one place in one easy to access place. Exactly. So. Exactly. Well, I had, a, well, I had a lot of fun, guys. I mean, you guys are rad. I appreciate you having us on here. It means a lot. Good talk to you guys again. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. Wait, what did he say about new music? Yeah, I mean, I think dude just made a promise that we're going to get some new Watership Down by the uh, end of the year. And uh, I'm just going to say it because we're doing the intro the next day and I don't care who knows. Uh, I've heard a little bit of it because uh, those dudes literally sat down the next day and and started working on it. So uh, I'd say that's I'd say that's a pretty good sign. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you if you ever wanted to know anything about this band, I mean, I think that they laid it out and i think they they talked about some stuff that i don't think they've even talked to each other about uh so like there was it was really cool kind of kind of being a fly on the wall for that conversation and i really hope that you guys enjoyed it we've got some more awesome interviews lined up for discuss metal this year uh i've got brian gray from the blamed he's finally going to come in and talk to us and uh, so I can't wait for you guys to hear that conversation as well. If you like the Discuss Metal podcast, you can follow us at all the places you follow us. DiscussMetal.com, Facebook.com slash Discography Discussion, Instagram at Discuss Metal, Twitter at Discuss Metal. And uh, you can always send us an email at show at gmail.com. If you know somebody you want us to talk to that is in a band that you like, let us know. We may just interview them. If you want to get some sweet, sweet merch with the Discography Discussion logo on it, you can go to Teespring com and check out some of the sweet discography discussion merch there'll be a link in the show notes for that and we hope to see you guys on our discord server where we are chatting with you guys all the time there will also be a link in the show notes for that until next time guys this has been discuss metal we'll see you guys this has been the discuss metal podcast with Derek pardo and chad kent of watership down hosted by dan terry and joseph wren Presented by DiscussMetal.com. Discuss Metal.